How's it going, gentlemen? What's up? I'm doing well. <laughs> Had a good weekend, you guys. Yes, sir. UGA got the win, so we're uh, we're looking good right now. But uh, welcome in to the Football Addicts Anonymous podcast. Great to be here. A full, full weekend of college football and NFL games last uh, yesterday. So, we will start off with the college games here. Uh, we had one on Friday night. Uh, it was uh, actually turned out to be a pretty good game. Uh, I caught it. Uh, it was UTSA getting the win, going to 3-0, and uh, 37-35 over mid-Tennessee. And, you know, this one started off really badly. It was really boring in the first half, and the second half picked it up. Um, Josh Adkins got in the game for UTSA after Frank Harris got injured, and he turned it on uh, and got him got him the win there. <laughs> some, big, some big stats for Zachary Franklin, six receptions, 119 yards, a touchdown, and then linebacker Jamal uh don't know how to pronounce his last name. Lyon. Lyon. 19 tackles, eight solo, one and a half sack, one and a half tackles for loss, two quarterback hurries. That's that's a big day. You're making making the, your scholarship worth every penny right there. Yeah, and uh, definitely be interesting to see if uh, Frank Harris, UTSA's quarterback, is going to be back. I know he had an ankle issue. Um, but like I said, Josh Atkins filled in very well. Um, and sincere McCormick was a beast once again for UTSA yep. and the Roadrunners there. He can play. Wait, what was the spread for this game? Uh, Mid-Tennessee got the cover at plus six and a half. And the over in that one hit as well. Uh, at 60 points. That's that's what that was sitting at there. Um, let's move on to the first game of Saturday here. The yeah, biggest baby. upset of the weekend. We had a couple upsets, but Kansas State went into Norman and beat Oklahoma, number three Oklahoma, 38-35. K-State covered easily, plus 27.5. And, <laughs> and then... Um, over 61 in this one hit. Spencer Radler, three picks, man. Yeah, Mark, what were you just saying to us before the thing started about? So, unusual stat. Um, Lincoln Riley, the quarterback whisperer, is won 31 games. And I think he's like 31-2 and two or 31-3 and three in the Big 12. And two of those losses are to Kansas State and their new coach. Yeah. And if you guys watch this... I got to watch a lot of the, mostly the second half of the game, or highlights, so so I should say. We're playing a little bit of golf in the morning. And Oklahoma were, was all in the driver's seat, and then we've talked about it. Turnovers and special teams are two of the big things, and they've got, they got picks. They blocked a punt, K-State did. And after that, hat, their first pick, and, and then the blocked punt, really, they you could just see the whole sideline and the players the momentum just shipped, and they looked like a new team. A team that didn't get beat by Arkansas State, a lot of confidence, and then they just came and won this. Huge, 
and not to mention, speaking of special teams, a long field goal to take the lead in this game. I think the the kicker hit a 52, 53 yarder to put him up. Yeah. Um, it was definitely crazy, and this is the second straight year in a row that Kansas State has beaten Oklahoma. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it, it was really Spencer Rattler not having a good game. I mean, four touchdowns, yes, but you can't throw three interceptions. I mean, we'll see later in the show his uh, former teammate also threw three interceptions this weekend as well. Um, but... Oklahoma going down. Um, I forget which where they're at now in the rankings. I think it's eighteen. I believe it. I believe it's eighteen. They they went down to uh, in the latest AP poll this weekend. You know, um, I heard. I heard um, Jesse Palmer on on game day talk about this game and, and you know I'm not going to take anything that's not my material he just said that, that they look like the normal Oklahoma they were able to score points their offensive top five team but their defense which looked bad against LSU last year in the semifinals is just looking bad again you got to be able to stop someone if you want to be a national title contender and some of the replay plays I saw missed tackles, blown coverages, and it really is a defense. So, Lincoln Riley, by the way, is 37-7 and record, and three of those are bowl losses. So, he's got four losses in the Big 12, and two of them are to K-State. Yeah. yeah. Had I known that going into the picks on Friday, I might have picked Kansas State here. but Yeah, I, I should have knew that before finding out this weekend as well. <laughs> I was not picking Kansas State uh, as a 27.5 point underdog regardless. <laughs> any any given Sunday, any given Saturday, right? That's true. Florida. Uh, yeah, number five, Florida got the win, 51-35 over Ole Miss. And Kyle Trask looked absolutely fantastic. That's all. That's all you have to say for me on this slide. He just—he looks. This isn't a comparison. What I'm saying is, Florida hasn't had this steady of a hand at the quarterback position since Tim Tebow. They went through waves of people and different coaches, but he looks—he looks good. And the one thing I was telling some UGA fans that scare me is, I don't care how good our defense is supposedly be, their wide receivers are good. Their wide receivers are full of speed. They can get separation, and it's going to be one heck of a game in Jacksonville if we both end up undefeated at that time. And they are now one uh, rank ahead of us in the polls. Can I just say one thing? Uh, quarterback rating is the biggest BS stat there is. <laughs> yeah. Like, because just looking at these two here, I mean, there's only a two-point difference, but the stats, I think, are just so much better for Trask. Like, I, I just I hate the quarterback rating so much. Yeah. Yeah, for the college, it's just it's QBR, and then, I mean, for NFL, we have regular rating system out of 158.3 max, but I don't even know what the maximum is for college because QBR is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... 
other than Trask in this game, Kyle Pitts. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a difference maker. He, along with Pat Fryermuth from Penn State, are the consensus pretty much top two tight ends next year in the draft. Um, and then you also had Ventrell Miller for the Florida defense there as well, 13 solo tackles. Um, killed it. <laughs> but the thing is, Matt Corral had, had a very solid outing, though, in a losing effort, uh, almost 400 yards himself. Um, but Ole Miss getting – if they can score 35 each week, uh, they'll definitely have a shot. <laughs> Number eight, Auburn got the win, 29-13 over number 23, Kentucky. And number 23, like we were saying, on Friday goes down for the third straight week. Um, but the thing is, I think a lot of people didn't think it was going to be this close. Uh, I mean, Auburn was only a 7.5-point favorite, so they did cover. Um, but I don't know. I, I was not expecting it to only be a two-score game. First game, it's it's first game for SEC. It's two ranked opponents. Uh, you and I got to watch this a little bit together, Rusty. And at first, I couldn't even I couldn't remember the Kentucky's quarterback. And it was sluggish on both sides to me in the first half. And then it kind of picked up some momentum. But I just – I didn't know what to expect. I figured Auburn would win. For me, Bo Nix uh, was the difference. I think he, he's poised to have a good sophomore campaign. I don't think the spotlight's too big. Example, beating Oregon in your first game as a freshman last year. So, it's just – let's see how teams look after one, two weeks. But good win for Auburn. You, you, you beat a ranked opponent – first week yeah just what i like this go ahead chris i was just gonna say like piggybacking off what you guys said this is the same thing we've been saying all years the first couple games are gonna always be sloppy for all these teams because of the lack of offseason and preparation that they've had so yeah just what i like to see uh bo nix maybe get 20 completions out of 27 move that closer to 70 percent uh under 60s yeah not good there but um they got it done though that's, that's all that really matters and their, their defense was was very solid as well um one thing number 23 cannot go down this week because it is michigan so that is one thing um <laughs> uh, the next game is another ranked opponent here number 13 ucf uh crushing ECU, East Carolina, 51-28. Uh, another good good showing by Dylan Gabriel on that UCF offense. Two things for me. Um, we picked this one. I didn't see Carolina scoring 28 points. Holton Aylers, I've got to coach against him in basketball for two years when I was coaching at Newport High School in North Carolina. So glad to see him getting playing times. He was, he was an incredible athlete. But I just – we all picked UCF, and we usually talk about people that win, but I, I'm pretty surprised that East Carolina put up 28 points. And just because of the last few years have been abysmal down there. And, it, and ECU at one point was a strong, you know, outside Power 5 team. So good to see them putting up a fight against uh, number 13 UCF. 
Yeah, uh, Jalen Robinson, uh, Marlon Williams for UCF, uh, lights out games there, receiving-wise. Greg McRae had another good game on the ground with 83 and touch. Um, I feel like when you're going on this uh, UCF offense, everyone is can score a touchdown at any given moment. So, um, This one, ECU did get the cover, though, with, a, with plus 27. Um, and we were talking about the this being the biggest over-under of the weekend, and it went over because of <laughs> ECU hitting uh, 28 guess, points there. I don't know enough about him, but, you know, ECU quarterback three touchdowns, but he only was 14 of 29, terrible percentage. And you look at the receiving, There's, a, I wonder if they need better receivers there or he's got to develop into a better quarterback. I know he's a left-handed big kid. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, ECU doesn't really have, uh, I don't know. We'll see if they can get better or not. I'm, I was just looking at the uh, recap here of the game, and at one point it was a 41-7 to game. So Oh, so that's – see, and that's me not watching this ball game. I, I didn't get to watch this ball game. So. Yeah. So most of their scoring was probably garbage time scoring. Well, yeah. then UCF handled it. Because when you look at it, you're like, oh, I mean, that's still – you're getting beat. But I was like, oh, 28 points from ECU. Wow. <laughs> Number 19, Louisiana. They stayed perfect, 3-0. and uh, Getting a last-second field goal against Georgia Southern to beat them 20-18. Um, I was watching the end of this game, and I kind of figured Louisiana was going to get it, but uh, it was a long one. It was uh, 54 yards, I believe. Running game for Southern Carolina, or Georgia Southern, sorry. Looked pretty strong. You're on the road. Georgia Southern's been tough as it puts, you know, well-coached, good game. And just like you said, I saw I saw the field goal on the road. That's big. That's, that's composure right there to hit that for a game winner. Well, it was very ballsy of uh, Georgia Southern there at the end. They went for two to take the lead. And then with uh, 54 seconds left and then – yeah, Louisiana went down and kicked the game winner, but well, very ballsy of Georgia Southern though to go for two there. That's pretty. If you look at these running backs, that's those are pretty two good running backs. Twenty four carries, hundred yards. Seven carries, twenty nine yards. But two receptions for one hundred five must have been a nice screenplay or something where he got wide open. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was it was definitely interesting. Because Louisiana, I believe, had all three timeouts when they got the ball back, uh, 54 seconds to go. Um, but I mean, especially that, you know, you have multiple timeouts or even one, and during college football, foot first down stops clock, you know, that's gobs of time with it only under a minute to go. But um, yeah, Louisiana not ranked anymore this week uh, because. Uh, some other people came in, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, um, yeah, Louisiana looking looking pretty in the Sun Belt standings right now. Another ranked matchup that we had this week. Pitt stays undefeated, 3-0. and They get the win uh, against number 24, Louisville, 23-20. Uh, 
And, I mean, this one, I, I feel like the story is Malik Cunningham throwing three interceptions. Oof. He doesn't do that, and they win that ball game. I mean... But you have to you have to give credit that it's also Pitt's defense that caused that. Their, their front line looked really good. Oh, yeah, especially uh, you see Patrick Jones uh, with three sacks there. And overall... Um, I believe let me, I'm trying to remember how many how many sacks Pitt did have. They had seven sacks of uh, Malik Cunningham, so that kind of kills you when he gets sacked seven times. But interesting for um, JVN Hawkins, the the leading ball carrier in this one here, had 78 rushing yards, right? But realistically his statistics were 12 carries for three yards because he had a 75 yard touchdown run <laughs> so it was basically like saquon from a couple of weeks ago yes <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that pit defense is for real <clears throat> if they if they can figure out how to consistently put up numbers they're they they can challenge for first, second spot in the ACC. Yeah, it'll because be. That, that defense is that good. I mean, when you go up against Clemson, your defense is going to be on the field a lot more than normal. But Yeah, they'll definitely be interesting. They have a lot of uh, quality upcoming matchups here, facing an undefeated Boston College in two weeks, uh, if they still are undefeated. Uh, Miami in a couple weeks. Miami looked good this week. We'll get to that. They have Notre. They have Notre Dame on the schedule. They have Virginia Tech on the schedule, uh, and then the AC, wrapping it up with Clemson at the end of the year for Pitt. All together, I think the ACC is the more solid conference than they have been in a long time, from top to bottom. It's no longer. I mean, Clemson is the cream at the top, but there's some other teams that now are starting to put some things together. Definitely would agree. It's interesting to see how Pitt does with all those teams that Rusty just mentioned. I mean, I'm kind of rooting for them to make it all the way there, but we'll see. (laughs) Well, another ACC matchup we had was Syracuse against Georgia Tech. Syracuse got off the schnei and got their first win of the season, 37-20 at home. Uh, I mean, Tommy DeVito played a hell of a lot better than he did in the first two games. Um, Jeff Sims, however, did not. <laughs> Alex hit it perfectly on Friday, uh, saying that if uh, Tech keeps turning the ball over, they're going to lose. Four interceptions there for Jeff Sims. Uh, horrible ball play by him. Yeah, I think I had Georgia Tech, and that didn't work out for me. <laughs> um, well, I think Alex and I picked Syracuse, and I didn't say anything about the turnovers. My, my thing was... Both teams were not very good, and I thought Syracuse played better competition. And I think it shown it showed. They went down to Georgia Tech, or yeah, they were at Georgia Tech, right? No, it was it was in New York. It was at, yeah. it, that that was my thing. Is they were playing? I do remember saying that they're in the Carrier Dome. I thought that they were going to win in the Carrier Dome. They're a pretty tough team in the Carrier Dome. You can ask people like Clemson and how it's like to go to the Carrier Dome and play Syracuse. 
Yeah, Trill, uh, Trill Williams there for the Syracuse defense, having a 90-yard interception return for a touchdown as well. Um, Syracuse, since they did win, they got the cover, plus 7.5. Over 52.5 hit in this one. And we will go on to Chris's favorite team, the Campbell Camels, getting blown out once again uh, by Appalachian State. The, the weird thing in this one was is that uh, Zach Thomas barely had to throw the ball. Um, but, I mean, we see uh, Dietrich Harrington 32 times on the ground, over 200 yards and four touchdowns. Absolutely monster game. I just – we talked about them bouncing back. Obviously, App State bounced back. But I'm beginning to wonder if they're protecting uh, – Thomas for something. Maybe he's sore somewhere, or, or they. I don't know. He's a senior that's played well throughout his career, so I don't understand. I guess he only had to throw it 18 times, but he still doesn't look like the player that I've seen, and I've seen him up close, being from North Carolina. Yeah, they. You win, I mean, you win how you win how the opponents give it to you. So if you can run the ball as well as they did, well. Then you keep doing that. You feed, you feed the the mouth of the horse that's carrying you. That's all I can say. I believe in that. Yeah, um, I'm looking here though, and like uh, Campbell was up thirteen seven at like a couple minutes into the second quarter, mm-hmm. and then Appalachian State scored the rest of their points before Campbell scored again. Yep. <laughs> Campbell just scored on on like one of the last plays of the game there to make it 21 so they they look good for the first quarter and then it all went downhill from there it's classic I, Campbell. I love it man you just keep you keep up with that campbell <laughs> I, I that's called conviction we, a lot of people in america don't have that. um app state does have a very tough stretch coming up in uh sunbelt play here louisiana that this week at home they go to georgia southern in in two weeks and then uh Come go back home and play Arkansas State. So tough three weeks coming up for uh, the Mountaineers here. Well, that that'll definitely sort out that league pretty fast. Liberty got the win. They stay undefeated, thirty six thirty four over FIU. In uh, this one, I mean, I don't know. Liberty offensively looked really good. Uh, I believe this was another. Uh, field goal or no it wasn't FIU scored late to make it close but uh, Liberty was already up by by 8 points and uh, FIU couldn't get the game tying 2 point conversion there so some of these stats in these games are ridiculous one I will say Liberty has a lot of transfers anytime you get a coach like Hugh Freeze that's been in the SEC and maybe some people aren't getting playing time or unhappy come over to Liberty and he's kind of um, made some money off of that and his 2-0 start right now but look at Liberty 13 carries 107 yards Stubbs 8 receptions 119 yards a touchdown look at FIU 13 carries 104 yards that's an 11.4 average you're you're handing the ball off and a guy's getting a first down as an average which means, I mean, he only did it 13 times, so he's going to have some big runs. 
So I did not get to see any of this game. It was one of those score alerts that I kept on my phone because I picked Liberty. So I'm just curious. I need to go back. A lot of times I'll go back and watch these games to see how the his 13 carries equated for 148 yards. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to uh, mention last game, Chris, that uh, Campbell did cover at, at plus 35 and a half, however in that game we should give you a 0.5 victory fiu fiu covered in this one at plus seven and a half over 60 and a half hit um interesting uh, stat down at the bottom there lexington joseph with a 100 yard kickoff return touchdown that opened the game um put fiu up 7-0 and then uh liberty got the next two scores there but yeah i think uh liberty could could do some damage i mean they're in independence so there's no conference race for them but i don't know they're they're one of those small school teams that uh, i think a lot of people can root for iowa state another close game they got their first win of the season 37 34 over tcu uh max duggan did play for tcu he did score three touchdowns through the air um but Brees hall on the ground for iowa state um was really the difference in this one, I think. Yeah, I picked TCU. I just <clears throat> sometimes you just got to do something different. Iowa State had a game underneath their belt. Obviously, it was a loss that they weren't expecting. I just figured with um, TCU quarterback being healthy, I thought they had the advantage. But I was wrong, you know. Tastes like vinegar. Can't always be right. But he played well for being sick and then come. I mean, not. Yeah, I mean, he did. He missed three passes, one for interception. 241 yards, three touchdowns. So that's pretty good for not even knowing if you're going to be in the lineup. And that's why I picked TCU. I thought he'd be the difference. But controlling the ball, they ran it on the ground. Iowa State squeaked out with a win. Yeah, I was with you there uh i had picked tcu also um but yeah i mean the score itself was close but the game the entire time i'm looking here it was a one score game pretty much the entire time Mm -hmm. so it was a battle the whole way through yeah i think these two teams are pretty pretty closely matched um as far as what their rosters look like and everything um what they like kendrick van zant had Padded the stat sheet there, um, capped it off with a 24-yard fumble return touchdown. Um, but yeah, Jaquan Bailey for Iowa State as well, three and a half sacks, monster game for him as well. Chris, do you have that game pulled up right now? Yeah. I want to know some of the team stats. Can you go to that? I'm uh-huh. curious. I'm curious, like who owned the possession of time or who had the most completed third downs um time of possession uh tcu had five minutes more actually see, well, almost six minutes more than my Iowa thing State. about this game is i really thought if you look at it tcu i think should have won this game if you look at the team stat mm-hmm. we're talking about quarterback play time of possession it's just yeah all this i'm looking now like uh Iowa was 3-for-11 on third downs, and TCU was 8-for-16 
How do you? So how do you? Was there turnovers? Did they miss field goal? I just don't understand what happened. Because yeah, when I five hundred yards and yeah, they they Iowa they only had four twenty four. TCU did turn the ball over twice. Iowa State only turned it over once. Um, that could be. I mean, that could be a difference, I guess. But they just. I felt like TCU kind of dominated this game. I know it was a one-score game the entire time. I, it's about what we expected. It was a tough decision. I just TCU. When you look at the team stats, it's it's remarkable that they lost. Yeah, I mean TCU also had ten penalties. Uh, that's what I was about to say. Um, that was that's a big key. As well as Iowa State outrushed them by 113 yards, 114. Which yards. I figured if they did that, they would have more ball, possession of the ball more Iowa State. But a couple of things, I mean, some games that we'll talk about upcoming is penalties are killing teams. Mm-hmm. That's in the NFL as well. Definitely. Uh, Iowa State got the cover minus two and a half, half point cover there. Over 44 hit in this one. Off to the offensive explosion game by Tulane. 66-24 to over Southern Miss. Uh, the ground game for Tulane was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, two guys over 120 rush yards. Um, and then they also had their another running back who scored two touchdowns and had 50 yards on his own. But, I mean, Tulane was absolutely just destroying Southern Miss's front. Well, Southern Miss was up 14 nothing at the beginning of the game. They were, because I picked Tulane and I was worried, and so I flipped <laughs> it to that game and started watching it. Yeah, they just they took their foot off the gas and kind of got destroyed there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tulane, Tulane ran for seven touchdowns. <laughs> Earl Thomas. Um, and so they really didn't have to throw the ball very often. I mean, uh, when they did, it wasn't good. Their quarterback was only eight of eighteen. Um, so that's probably why they did run it as much as they did. But um, when you, all you need to know is when there's that much rushing yards, you're just you're bullying that defensive line. Just. 430 total rushing yards for Tulane in this game. <laughs> that's a high school that's, game. That's some, that's some Army numbers right there. Army, Navy, high school game when you, get, when you have a quarterback that you don't ever really throw with. Counters, draws, dives, pitches. Yeah. Um, Tulane easily covered minus three and a half, over 54 and a half hit in this one. Tulane by themselves did that. 15 tackles, Hayes Maples uh, for USM. Uh, good try, but <laughs> was not able to stop uh, the running backs there. And one thing I will say, uh, we see Cameron Carroll there as the leading rusher. He's been a beast every game for Tulane so far. So if they want to make something in the Conference USA race this year, Cameron Carroll, they should ride him the whole way. Two of their touchdowns, too, I'm looking here, two of Southern Miss's touchdowns were really long touchdowns, too. So without those two, this game could have been even worse. They had an 88-yard touchdown pass and a 61-yard touchdown pass. So yeah, without those two big plays, could have been a lot worse of a score. 
The second biggest upset of the week here, Mississippi State beating number six LSU, 44-34. And again, we talked about Kyle Trask with Florida. K.J. Costello in the Mike Leach offense absolutely annihilated the LSU secondary. Over 600 yards, broke the single-game single SEC passing record. Um, as well as five touchdowns. He did turn the ball over three times, which probably allowed LSU to stay in this game, but uh, Miles Brennan also threw two interceptions as well for the Tigers. So I don't know. Is, is Mississippi State a, a, the real deal, Mark? I told you coming in, the Pirate was going to have fun in the SEC. The SEC has never seen anything like this. I actually, when I coached my first coaching job in high school, Someone was a Mike Leach GA back in the day, and he went down to the high school coaching ranks, and they would throw 60 times in a high school game, and they broke numerous Missouri passing records. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, then that opened you'd, – you'd have a stat line in high school of 423 yards, six touchdowns, and three interceptions. So with Costello, the one thing I will say is you're going to have interceptions. If you throw that many times a game – Come on, guys. You're going to have 60 times, you're going to have one or two interceptions. If Costello can keep up what he did and they can protect him is my thing. If you're going to pass 60 times and you only – like how many sacks did LSU have? But what's that going to look like when you play Alabama? Or what's that going to look like when you play Georgia? We're not known for really sacking the quarterback. We're known for a good defense. But you're going to wear out – Georgia defenses. SEC defenses are going to get tired. So I think you're going to be in every ball game. So this might be the surprise of the West this this year. Where maybe where like Kellen Mond, we've been talking about, third-year quarterback at A&M. Jimbo's had success at Florida State. Mississippi State might be the second-best team in the West this year. I guess that would be my opinion. Yeah, there's going to be. There's going to be days if you throw 60 times and he has five interceptions, you're not going to win a ball game. But you're going to you're going to be there because you're going to be able to score enough points. Yeah, LSU they did sack KJ Costello five times in this game. Um, that adds to injury. It's like how many times can he get hit? Yeah, I mean what what I was intrigued by is that I know it's it's the air raid, but. Uh, they have a really good back in Kylan Hill. Uh, I mean, oh, he, Hill. he Hill caught over 150 receiving yards, but only got seven carries there. Um, I'd like to see him get at least double-digit carries every game. Which, in that type of offense, <clears throat> your pass, a short pass is almost like your run game. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. It's not going to go down in the stat book as a carry, but he's going to catch a lot of things even with the quarterback or behind behind the line. It's almost like, just call it a fancy pitch nowadays. Yeah, there was a, a lot of <laughs> stats, especially receiving yards. You know, uh, Mississippi State had 200-yard receivers, almost a 200-yard receiver in Osiris Mitchell. Terrace Marshall had a, had a good first game this season, uh, one of the highly touted receiver prospects, another one coming out of LSU. Um but then, uh, as well as the, the defensive statistics, even though there was a lot of offense uh, defensively, there was a lot of sacks. 
Um, LSU, Jabril Cox, he had a 14-yard interception return for a touchdown. Uh, that was LSU's first score in this game. So, my, I think a question that I have, and I, I don't know if I can answer it, but I think it's an intriguing question for a coach like Mike Leach. Has he ever won a championship or been to the college football playoff? No. But has he had success at every stop that he's went? At least the last – well, last two. Texas Tech, I mean, they had some success. He went out to Washington State, had success, and he's putting people in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So then you come down to the SEC where people say, you can't duplicate this down here. And I really did want to pick Mississippi State, and I should have. I really should have. And here's the reason. I don't think LSU – I don't know if they're even going to finish in the top 25 because of how many people were drafted and how many people opted out. And that's nothing against Coach O. And one thing that I love about this game, and I know we're going to get behind schedule, is Coach O took the whole blame for this. And I don't know how many coaches – like his press conference is one of the best that I, I've heard in a long time after the loss. I've got to do better. I knew that we were going to get passed on and passed on. And he said, I know people – or drafted, and I know people opted out, but this is on me and my coaching staff. We didn't prepare them, and that's what lost them, and we've got to get better. I've got to get better at analyzing game. I, I mean, he just shouldered the whole loss, which I think good coaches do. But here's my thing. I don't know that he'll ever win a title at Mississippi State, and he wasn't at Texas Tech, or he wasn't at Washington State, but if you gave Mike Leach the money and the backing and the reputation of someone like Ohio State and Georgia and Florida and Alabama, I would – I mean, this is going to be must-see TV when he comes through in the SEC just to see what he can do on people's defenses. I, I do believe that. And maybe he moves from a Mississippi State to somewhere that is established a little bit better. Does that make sense? That yeah. doesn't mean he's going to go into Nick Saban's office and take over or Lincoln Riley. But if you start giving him some of these historic schools that recruit and do well, like South Carolina, I bet you if they don't have a good year, they would love to have a Mike Leach. Well, just, just thinking of in my head, uh, I, I know a school that hasn't been that great uh, in recent years that uh, if he would go there and he'd have a amazing opportunity to recruit, would be uh, UCLA. I, I think that would be a great fit for him out in L.A. It's fun. It's glamorous. How do you get people into the stands? Well, you throw the ball a lot nowadays in football. You know what I mean? Like how basketball wants to score, which I hate. How basketball wants to score 150 a game. I'd rather see, you know, 98, 95 in the NBA. Anyways, but I, I do think that's a great one. Yeah. Because I, I love the SEC, but Stark – Starksville, maybe one of the not so best cities in the SEC. Um, I just I would like to see him somewhere, given the opportunity. And what you do is you align him with a you you bring you bring him in. You line him up with a really good defensive coordinator, if that makes sense. Because he already knows how to call a game. He already knows what he wants to do with his offense. Mm-hmm. You could find a Brett Venables 2.0 like Clemson and put them together. With a Mike Leach, ooh, that's a recipe for, for success. 
Well, we'll move on from LSU here. Go into the Big 12, number 8, Texas. They were in a fight against Texas Tech. Uh, they did this get the win, 63-56. to right uh, Allen mm. Bowman throwing five touchdowns for Tech. Uh, three picks, however, though. Uh, Sam Ellinger, five touchdowns as well. Uh, not that many passing yards for Ellinger, but uh, Bowman had 325 here. Uh, uh, Texas Tech pulled in Atlanta Falcons here. They yeah. were 15 oh, yeah. into the game. Oh yeah. With uh, how much time? 3:13 left in the game. They were up by 15 and they blew it. My my takeaways are: I still told you I think Texas should win the Big 12. I don't see why they don't. But sometimes when you play a conference foe, they have a lot of game film on you. You're so familiar. You never know what's going to happen. Second thing. I've been talking Sam for a while. The dude can play some football at the quarterback position. I'm not saying it translates to the NFL, but right now he can play some college football. Third thing, I love Tom Herman's postgame conference. He he, uh, quoted George Strait, and he said that Sam looked at him and said they gave us too much time in the ball back. We're going to win this ball game in overtime. And he marched them down the full down the field, and they won. And Herman said, "When Sam looks at me like that, he could sell me oceanfront property in Arizona. Let that ring with everybody. It's a song, but let that ring if you're smart enough. What that means. This Texas team, if they can stop people, you know, Oklahoma and other Big Twelve teams that are going to be good." They're going to be right there in the college football semifinal. Think about Florida a few years ago, or Georgia a few few years ago. Uh, we went down to New Orleans and lost to them. And then we turned around and beat the following year, Baylor. But if this is the breakout year for Texas, here's your breakout year. And he's just fun to watch. He's a strong quarterback, five touchdowns, one interception, not a lot of yards like you talked about, but – he doesn't turn it over a whole lot. They played LSU really good. LSU was talked about as the best offense, one of the best offenses last year in college football. And they they put up a fight against LSU. So I think if they – and this might only make them better. You know what I mean? This brings you together after you have to come back and win a close game like this. Yeah, I mean, uh, 16, 16 rushes for Sam Ellinger as well. Uh, getting it done on the ground to help out – uh, that there, but I mean, uh, yeah, it's if if Texas is gonna do it, this has to be the year. Sam Ellinger is gone uh, after if, this year, so if they're ten and zero or eleven and zero, whatever schedule they're playing, if they go undefeated in the regular season, I fully expect that Sam will be in New York for the Heisman Trophy vote. Doesn't mean he wins it, but if you go undefeated, I think he should be there. Tech had a 99.8% chance to win this game. <laughs> and they lost it. That's crazy. I mean, they had every every reason to win this. It's just, it's crazy that Texas won this ball game. Yeah. 30... I, think, I think it makes Texas a better team. I really, I, mm-hmm. From a coaching standpoint, you have to learn how to win ball games. And this is a crazy win. And it should, you should look in the mirror and go, all right, even when we're down, we're never out of a ball game. Yeah, three touchdowns for Joshua Moore there, including the game winner in overtime. Um, the, the 
the Texas defense did get that stop that they needed to uh, once once Tech got the ball. So uh, also have Xavier Martin down there, zero yard fumble return for a touchdown. Uh, always great to get those free free scores in the opposing team's end zone. But we uh, Tech did cover plus seventeen and a half. Uh, we'll move on to another ranked game. Uh, number fourteen Cincinnati. They got the win, twenty four ten over number twenty two Army. Um, Desmond Ritter looked a lot better in this game. Uh, I mean, I know he's under sixty percent completion, but uh, had two turnovers as well. Probably kept Army in it. But as well, Christian Anderson. Uh, it was interesting that. Anderson uh, was the quarterback after. Um, actually, never mind. I'm thinking of Navy. I don't know what I'm thinking. Anyways, never mind. <laughs> but yeah, um, not as not as good on the ground as as they were in their last game for Army. <clears throat> playing, you're playing a little bit better competition. It really wasn't all that exciting of a game if you really watched it. That tends to be Army's, you know, trying to, you know, ground and pound, and it's going to slow the game down. It's going to make the score a little bit less. What I thought, you know, I know Army's ranked, and they are a solid team, but if I'm in the AAC, I'm watching this video thinking that Cincinnati's got a little bit more holes than what they look like, and in, in competition's everything. But they look like world beaters for the AAC in their first game. And I think there's a lot of teams that are, maybe they're not have the rank, the 22nd rank next to them, their name like Army in the AAC. But they're looking like, well, I pass it a little bit better. I don't run it as well. We've got some athletes. So I wouldn't be surprised if Cincinnati gets defeated at some point in the conference schedule. Though their conference schedule is not as, however, they they might have a really good schedule this this year in the AAC. Yeah, uh, I mean the, the next two games aren't aren't that bad for Cincinnati, but then it's it's quite <laughs> quite a couple games with uh, SMU, Memphis, Houston back to back to back, and then they do have that looming date second to last game of the season against UCF. So. I don't know what will happen to Cincinnati. I can see them having one loss before UCF. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, my favorite player, though, from Army, John Radigan, the linebacker. He had another solid game with eight tackles, two passes deflected, uh, defensed. Uh, but also Jabari Moore uh, had a interception uh, pick six for the – actually, no, not a pick six, fumble return touchdown. But he also did have an interception. Um which was the Black Knights' only score of the game. So, um, Army not ranked this week. Obviously, they lost, but also, uh, like I said, with uh, a couple other teams going going into the top twenty-five, uh, which we'll talk about. Cincinnati covered minus thirteen and a half. Another um, a one and a half point cover there. <coughs> Oklahoma State, number 15, they got the win over West Virginia, 27-13. Uh, I feel bad I picked West Virginia, but uh, they put up a good fight. Uh, uh, okay loss by 14 points, not terrible. Uh, but, you know, 
the as far as Oklahoma State goes, Spencer Sanders did not play in this game. It was Shane Ellingworth. Um, did not look that great. Only 139 passing yards and an interception as well. So, really, if Oklahoma State's going to keep winning, it has to be Chuba. It's, it, their defense did what they had to do, and it was Chuba. They rode. I know it was only 101 yards. We already talked about their offensive line looked terrible in week one. A little bit better this week, but it was simply two things. Their defense held West Virginia to 13 points, and they ran the ball. Yeah, and their, their defense. Was, you said this was a close game, though, but looking here, Oklahoma took it early. They were up 20-7 to in the second quarter, so. They uh, they were dominant throughout the whole game, pretty much. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was interesting to see that uh, Chuba did get outrushed by two yards by his teammate LD Brown as well. Uh, so Oklahoma State got it done on the ground, but uh, yeah. they also did. You talk about the defense there, Mark. Uh, Tyron Irby did have a 56-yard fumble return touchdown as well as another fumble recovery um, for the Pokies defense there. With those. Um... With those stats, they might have one of the best one-two punches in the backfield. Yeah, I mean, I have not really even heard anything about L.D. Brown until this game, but... I haven't either, so I, I think what, you know... I don't know how they're they're setting up in the backfield on his carries, but you're correct. I didn't, I didn't notice that until now. 9.4 average for L.D. Brown. I don't know if... Uh, Chuba setting him up or or what but those I mean like I said though the defense and running they just ran the ball that's a great average for his teammate maybe he's teaching him something that he's forgetting yeah I mean if if uh, they can get him more carries and and rest Chuba for later in the season uh, go ahead good for them you know when Chuba's back there though they're stacking the box like like Adrian Peterson back in the day. Yep. Uh, Oklahoma State got the cover, minus 6.5 here, under 51.5 hit in this one. Next game, UTEP uh, beating UL Monroe 31-6. I think I I picked UL. I know I did. We all did, I think, except for Alex. Um, But... UTEP, uh, 200-yard receivers, uh, really the passing game was, was the thing here. I mean, Deion Hankins also ran 100 yards and three touchdowns. But U- UTEP is uh, 3-1. I, I, I actually I know I picked Monroe because I said, man, it's hard to go against Sunbelt. Sunbelt's a good conference this year. But UTEP, they took care of business, and their, lo- their lone loss probably was a good loss. No. If we – no, I mean bad. it was darn. I mean it was it was I'm against. I'm trying to make my sounds myself sound better. No, it, it was. I just I picked the Sun Belt and now they're on three. So I fully expect UL Monroe will probably be the bottom feeder. I mean UTEP's lone loss was was fifty nine to three against Texas. So, <laughs> but there but two of their other wins. The only reason I went with UL Monroe on the show, like I said on Friday. <laughs> They beat Stephen F. Austin by 10 points and Abilene Christian by 4 points. So Last week, the Abilene Christian was made me worry. But like I, what I meant about the one loss is it was probably a good opponent. 
Oh yeah. Texans. Yeah. I, I, I should have looked into that more, and, and, but the Sun Belt is good, guys. Well, we'll we'll see what UTEP has uh, this upcoming week, or not this week. They don't actually play again um, until October tenth. And that is when their Conference USA schedule starts against Louisiana Tech. So we'll see the Miners in two weeks. The next game is the Dogs. Got the win. Uh, 37-10 over Arkansas. <laughs> and let me tell you about the quarterbacks. Can we just skip this game? So, <laughs> Dwan Mathis... Dwan Mathis got the start for UGA. Looked absolutely terrible. Uh, Well, I see. And I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I gave him the benefit of the doubt going into that game. I was like, I've never seen him play. I'm not going to say he's not going to be good. I don't. But I know JT Daniels is better. (laughs) Well, I will. We we all can agree that JT Daniels has the experience out west. My thing is, I don't care who was under center in the first half. I don't know how much success Tim Tebow would have had. Let me throw some stats at you, and this is without a phone. Ten penalties for 93 yards, right? And everybody thinks Zamir White is going to take over the next throne as the next UGA best running back. We, our offensive line couldn't block Mary's sister, Joseph, and St. Paul if they were all in cathedrals and running in pews. Our offensive line is garbage right now. And the one thing I will give props is Sam Pittman knows that because he left and he was the offensive lineman coach. So I'm not so sure that it was and – and Kirby said it. It's not all Mathis's fault. Yes, he needs to get the ball out quicker. He should have used his feet. The man is 6'6 and just athletically gifted. But it isn't as like Stetson Benson came in 2029. That's good. He steadied us. He's also been in the SEC. He was here, left, got a lot of reps in junior college, came back. But regardless, if Stetson Bennett or Mathis is under center, you're not going to win ball games with penalties in the first half and your offensive line. That's my only take on this game, and that's why I don't – I'm not so sure we don't have two or three losses this season. That's my opinion. UGA fans can cry if they want to, but you call you call you call it how it is. I'm not going to sugarcoat it because I like it, UGA, and I'm starting to believe that maybe Kirby's not the savior that everybody thought he was. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the offensive line. Uh, four new starters this year. The only returner is Trey Hill at center, um, but yeah, I I I don't know. I I think. Stetson Bennett did very well coming in, like you said. Uh, but it was, the, it was the thing that everyone knew was going to happen, even if the offense was struggling, is that the def- the UGA defense was going to keep him in the ballgame, and that's exactly what they did. Um, Nolan Smith having uh, a sack and a half, as well as Dorian Gerald. Um, you know, they... And what I was surprised at was, was early in the game... I didn't even know Felipe Franks had had transferred to Arkansas. I had completely gone under the radar in my mind. I <laughs> that makes two of us. I said, I I just thought he exhausted his eligibility. I said, what? And I was like, 
crap, Felipe Franks is at Arkansas. We might be in for a ball game. And it was early uh, until Stetson Bennett came in uh, for the UGA offense and they changed some things. One thing, though, Dwan Mathis, the play of the game that really made me mad while he was in. And you know what it probably is, Mark. You're running on third down and you run out of bounds a yard short when all you have to do is put your shoulder down and go and get that extra yard. And we punt the ball the next play. Before we move on from this game, because we all it, it was nice that we went and traveled and we it was a delayed see delayed season and we won. I actually asked somebody this, and what gets me is when we were down at LSU a couple of years ago, and you know everybody's like, yeah. we came off the championship loss. We can unpack that game for hours because there's been some coaching mistakes in a lot of these. You know, we lost in, in a championship SEC against Alabama, and we lost last year, but LSU was just better. But my thing is, it was pretty quick to go to a different quarterback in this game, and I know that your quarterbacks are different, but it wasn't like a couple years ago, Fromm was not beating LSU, and you had the freshman, Justin Fields, on the sideline, but you didn't go to him. Or we've been in an SEC championship game, and you're lining Justin Fields up for a fake punt, and everybody knows what's going to happen because he's in there. So I thought it was just interesting that we were so quickly to go to Stetson Bennett, which was a positive. So that's not – there's not – it's not a bad thing. I just think that it's – kind of funny does that make sense when i want to win as a coach i take when when it's time to win you're putting your best foot forward regardless of oh man everybody loves jake Fromm, which he was a game manager people he had a, he had a really exceptional freshman campaign after that he, re, he 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 went down and i'll argue that till i'm blue in the face with anybody but it was just funny that we went to stetson bennett so either you knew or believed in Stetson Bennett, and you wanted to show something different. Because I guarantee you Pittman knows a lot about Stetson Bennett. And he might have known some stuff about Mathis, but then Mathis was hurt. And then you take over, you know, you didn't get to see him in live practice last year, and then you go to Arkansas. So I think there was a lot of, there was a lot of inside stuff going on yesterday. I mean, Saturday. Yeah, Arkansas did get the half-point cover, plus 27.5. Under 53 hit in this game. UGA Auburn, big one coming up this weekend. ACC play, Virginia, their first game of the season. They won 38-20, to and Duke looks absolutely horrible. Chase Bryce uh, has been trash. Four, t- four picks in this game here, and... Um, I don't even know what else to say about <laughs> Duke. Duke, that's what you gotta say. <laughs> we we know that Duke's coach has has been with a lot of good quarterbacks. Daniels, he he was Manning at Tennessee. Chase Bryce is not anywhere near that. I don't know if it's coming from Clemson and just thinking that you have to be a world beater to show everybody, but. 
why not? I think they need to switch quarterbacks. I don't know even who's on the roster, but it's time to start thinking about that. I picked. We all picked Virginia. I thought this was a pretty good showing for their first game being out this long. I just wish that the first game of this year would have been Virginia UGA. I think it would have been fun. Yeah, I wasn't sure uh, who the quarterback was for Virginia. I hadn't heard of uh, Brennan Armstrong yet. But uh, you're talking about Duke's other quarterbacks. Uh, they do have Chris uh, Katrinick, who did throw three times in this game, two for three for 40 yards. Um, but, yeah, I am not sure. I mean, the thing is, the thing for Duke is, is that it doesn't get easier. They, they, they play Virginia Tech. They play Virginia Tech this weekend. Uh, so Let me uh, <laughs> remind everyone of this, too. If Virginia wins, uh, they just haven't been able to play while other ACC teams are playing. If they win a few games, imagine how many ACC teams can be ranked. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Miami, <clears throat> Pitt. If Louisville doesn't fall out because it was a close one, Clemson, Virginia Tech, that's five right there. UNC. UNC, that's six. They could lead the conferences with the most ranked teams, and they've always been made fun of. Oh, Clemson's the only good one. They keep getting in the college football playoff. It's From this season, top to down is a solid season, solid, solid conference. Yeah, uh, Virginia covered minus five in this one. Another ACC team here that's still undefeated, Boston College, winning against Texas State, 24-21. This one, Phil Jerkovich had a little bit of a harder time throwing the ball than he did last game. Uh, 300 yards the previous game, only 210 in this one with an interception, but he did run for two touchdowns as well here. Another transfer quarterback from a Power Five. Uh, Texas State's Calvin Hill. He is another uh, Hill running back that is really good, having a pretty good season, even on a one and three team here. Um, Hunter Long as well for BC, the tight end. Uh, I believe he's had both good, two good games uh, to start the season off for BC. Isaiah McDuffie on the BC defense, two sacks here. I know Chris is mad. Uh, Texas State only lost by three, and he, he picked them on Friday. <laughs> like I said on Friday, <clears throat> I'll pick against Boston College every single week, no matter <laughs> if they're the best team in <laughs> Well, the Bobcats almost got it done for you. Uh, they did cover easily, plus 17.5, uh, under 56 hit in this one. To the number two team in the country, Alabama beat Missouri 38-19. Mac Jones, very efficient, 75% completion, two touchdowns. Uh, but really, I think it was Najee Harris on the ground with three touchdowns and almost 100 yards here. Typical Saban team, in my opinion. Mac Jones looks like another game, game manager, if that makes sense. He's not going to be too... Uh, you know, he's not going to be Jalen Hurts. That can be a little bit more dynamic. Dynamic. you got to go back to the quarterbacks that they had previously that are, that are a lot of back, backup quarterbacks in the NFL now. 
Can anyone name me one? AJ McCarron. <laughs> there you go. I think this is that type of team which has won championships or been in championships. I think the defense is going to be solid. They're going to be able to hand the ball off to Harris and see what he can do. And then the and they're going to get some separations from their wide receivers, even against good teams. And it all comes down to can the quarterback read it fast enough and let go of it and get it downfield. Yeah, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith are easily by far the best wide receiver tandem in the in all of college football. I would have to say, um, both most likely first round picks next year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Bama defense, Daniel Wright, surprisingly leading the way with 11 tackles and all of them solos. Um, and then you have That's Christian big. Harris. What was that? That's big. Yeah. 11, I mean, 11 tackles, 11 solo. That You got you had a game, sir. <laughs> yeah, and he's a defensive back, which which makes it even even weirder. Uh, I mean, yeah, you also had Christian Harris with a sack, two tackles for loss as well there uh, for the Bama linebacking core. Mizzou, I'm not sure. We'll we'll see what they have the rest of the season um, with Eli Drinkwitz. They did cover plus uh, plus twenty seven and a half there for the. I mean, for your first for your first SEC coaching debut, you never want to say it's good. It's never good to lose. But could have been more ugly for Mizzou. It could it could have been, and so. Does that mean that Bama did just what they needed to do? Did Missouri get last-minute points? Mm-hmm. If, this is, if this is <laughs> Alabama's team, I'm not so sure they're the number two team in the country. Yeah, the uh, Alabama was up 35-6 to six entering the fourth quarter. So. That's what I – okay. And that's different. And I, and <clears throat> I didn't watch a lot of it. I've got too many obnoxious family members that are Mizzou fans. And then, uh, obviously, for many reasons, I just don't like Alabama. Um, the only, only thing that's ever came out of good out of Alabama is, is a song and, and, and an okay rom-com that my wife likes. I can watch it with her. Sweet <laughs> Alabama's okay. I don't puke during the whole time. Well, we're going to move along to another high-scoring game this weekend. Louisiana Tech, 66 to 38 yeah, over Houston baby. Baptist. And dude. You were the lone wolf on that one, weren't you? Yeah, and the thing is, I, I he, he did it again. He, he did it again. He threw for 400 yards, five touchdowns, had the one interception. But if, if the Houston Baptist defense could stop someone, they would be winning games because but, Bailey Zappi is playing his butt off right let now. Let me ask you this Is he a senior or what year is he? Do you know? Uh, off the top of my head, I am not sure. Well, with uh, the senior, yes, he is a senior. Darn! I'm about to say, if he had another year of eligibility, I'd try to pluck him if I was someone else. Which other coaches will get mad? Don't pluck my small. Well, lines. well, the thing is, I'm not sure if he actually is a, a senior or a redshirt junior. You know how some of those schools. If I'm running an air raid offense, Mike Leach needs to call Houston Baptist and be like, hey, can I have this guy just for one year after KJ? Yeah, yeah, I don't know if he's a redshirt senior or uh, uh, 
redshirt yeah. junior and just listed as a senior like I know some he schools do. But he's lighting it up. Um, yeah, I mean the thing is, Luke Anthony for Louisiana Tech looked amazing Five too. Touchdowns too. He had yeah, he had six total with <clears> one <throat> on the ground as well. Uh, and then I mean, Houston Baptist Louisiana is going to have Tech looks good. They look they look pretty good. Houston Baptist is going to have two 100 yard receivers every single game. So, uh, Jarris Stearns and Ben Ratzlaff are, are lighting it up as well. <laughs> I'm not so sure that the Houston Baptist, I don't know the coach, sorry that I don't, didn't just go and watch a lot of Texas Tech practices when coaches go to different things, um, if people don't know that. You're in Texas, you must have learned something from Mike Leach. <laughs> yeah. 58 attempts, man. Whew. Yeah, it's interesting to see, though, like, uh, Bailey Zappi only, or he threw 58 times, 37 completions, but he had less than 100 yards more than Luke Anthony. So there must have been a lot of short passes there for uh, yeah. for HBU. Yeah, luckily, uh, Houston Baptist does get uh, one more shot to get their win because they they only have one game left in the season. Uh, they play Eastern... Oh, really? I, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're, they're playing Eastern Kentucky this weekend, so... And oh, we've seen what happens to Eastern Kentucky, so... <laughs> hey, before we move on, not to make us last any longer, do you know the fun fact about Louisiana Tech? You love the Steelers. What quarterback started for Louisiana Tech? Terry Bradshaw. And who was behind him? This is the fun fact. I don't know. He was he was actually the starter and got hurt, and Bradshaw said that he learned more from him than anybody else. Duck Dynasty dad. Oh yeah. Okay. If you guys did not know that the Duck Dynasty dad was a starter, got hurt, and Bradshaw took over. <laughs> uh, some solid defensive performances in this one as well. Patrick Wolf for HBU, thirteen tackles, and Tyler Grubbs with twelve. Um. Louisiana Tech did cover minus 23 and a half over 68 and a half by far hit uh, in this one. Another this undefeated is- team, SMU, SMU over Stephen F. Austin, 50 to 7. Shane Bouchelle did not look that great in this one. Only 141 passing yards, but their run game really was the story. Ulysses Bentley and TJ McDaniel both 104 yards. Bentley uh, throwing in two touchdowns there as well. Um, and then the SMU defense was lights out. Like you said, I just – they're going to end up playing the likes of UCF and Cincinnati. Quarterback play has got to get better. And he and it wasn't like he was touted to be the best in the conference, but he was supposed to be solid. And he's looked above, uh, below average for them. And like you – the running game did it all. Obviously, their defense held them to seven points, but uh, we we all thought the Bears were the two and worst team. SMU might be not a very good three and team. I don't know yet. Yeah, yeah. Though I mean, they'll get their first test this weekend against uh, Memphis, but they they also have to play uh, Tulane in a couple weeks, which could be a barn burner, depending on. Uh, and it also could be a rushing yard masterpiece out of that thing uh with the the backs that they have at Tulane the backs that we see here uh they also have to play Cincinnati Navy 
they don't have to play UCF, luckily for them. Tulane might be the, even though they have a one loss, <clears throat> Tulane might be the most disruptive team, depending on who they play. The yeah, conference. most definitely. Um, I don't really have any much more to say about this game. It was really the, the two running backs for me, uh, really, was the, the storyline here. The uh, Mustangs did cover minus 34.5, big line there. Uh, under 60.5 hit in this one. Top 10 team in the country, Texas A&M, uh, barely beating Vanderbilt 17-12. to uh, Kellen Mond did not have the best day. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, however, for uh, A&M did look really good on the ground. But Vandy uh, held him close, man. That, that's kind of been the talk of the SEC besides our UGA's quarterback play or Trask being so good. Vanderbilt held tough. This was touted to be a wash. It's a pretty close game. And I never said that Mond was going to be good. I said he needed to be good in year three, and he looked not good. If that's the offensive line's fault or more of the wide receiver's, I don't know. I do know that, you know, Mason is coaching for his seat this year. Obviously, we they got a new AD there. They're probably going a different direction if they're not very good, even though he's got NFL ties. And I don't even know what you do with Jimbo Fisher and A&M because people don't realize how much money they have there. Mm-hmm. They have a crap ton of money in A&M. That's why he left Florida State. And Winston – tarnished that even though he won a championship so both of these schools could go in opposite directions or they both could plummet I, I really don't know what to think about this game this is weird yeah Mond with two fumbles here uh it's interesting though uh you know it was five to 14 in the third quarter uh, Vandy scores and they don't go for two to tie uh, really interesting. I think there. Um, they they just kick the kick the extra point instead, or not not to tie. My bad to get within one. I mean, I I know it doesn't matter at that point really, but I was just looking at it. Twelve to fourteen didn't really make sense to me, and I was like, why did you not go for the two? But they did kick it to make it a two point game instead. Uh, my mind is not working right now. But anyways. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what Texas A&M has uh, going forward in a in a tough <laughs> tough conference, man. Um, another ranked team here, number twelve, Miami, blowing out Florida State, fifty-two to ten. And the thing is, with this game, I asked the question last week uh, on Friday, why I don't understand why this game was the the ABC primetime game because personally I knew it was going to be a bad game. Uh, I knew Florida state was horrible uh, and Miami looked very good against uh, Louisville last week. So um, Derek King got it done again. I was surprised he threw 40 times. Um, but I, the one thing in this game that I remember watching la- that night was just Derek King just bombed <laughs> one of his throws into the end zone. It was crazy. But yeah, Florida State, they they look bad. 
Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. If you want to talk about it, I. I mean, that's all I was gonna say. Is, yeah, they. That's it. They they look terrible. <laughs> all I know is, <clears throat> Florida Florida State looks. It's sad that it's went from Bobby Bowden to you know Jimbo Fisher championship, and then Winston was just a headache there. And then just all the way down the drain. I mean, if you're an alumni or booster, I feel sorry for you guys. And people have been talking about how Miami looks so good. First game didn't look good, and I and but that you're getting better. You want to as a team, you want to get better as you go along each week. But I'm not really happy about this. Is a bad Florida State team. You you made 29 completions. I fully expect you to be over 300 yards. Mm-hmm. So he does. He, Eric De'Eric King still looks good, but they're still not like getting the most out of what they're doing. If that makes sense to anybody, you have to watch the games to really understand that. Maybe it's maybe not the best way to explain it. But they're three and zero, and so all right, celebrate and keep moving forward. And when you meet. Clemson, or, or if you don't during the regular season, maybe you're the team instead of Notre Dame to meet Clemson. Yeah, here's something for FSU to build off of, maybe. I mean, I didn't see the game, but they did shut out Miami in the third quarter, so. <laughs> I don't know if uh, that was Miami just taking their foot off the gas, but then they did score 14 in the fourth quarter. So, I don't know. Yeah, one guy other than De'Ara King that I think uh, people should keep their eye on is their running back, Cameron Harris. Uh, not He's that good. many yards this game, but still scored still two, two times um, and ha- looked really good against Louisville last week. So I'd, I'd look at him going forward in the Miami backfield there. UCF is clearly the third best team in Florida right now. I mean, FSU? Well, it's Miami, <laughs> Florida, and UCF. Oh, okay. I was, I was, I was very confused. We weren't talking about UCF. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm. I hate to say this, but UCF would trounce Florida State right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another ranked team here, uh, the Volunteers getting the win, number sixteen, over uh, South Carolina, thirty-one twenty-seven. Another close game, though. Uh, and it's kind of what I said, all the top-ranked, uh, not all, most of the top-ranked teams uh, in the SEC were on the road this week, and it, it made uh, for a tough tough outing uh, for a lot of them, even with or without fans at some of the stadiums. I fully expect that um, there's going to be two coaching positions at major programs, and they both happen to be in North and South Carolina this season. I actually don't have a problem with Muschamp because I don't believe that South Carolina can win the way that fans want to. Look at Williams-Brice Stadium and the facilities there. It's nothing compared to ours or Bama's or even Tennessee's, whoever you're playing. But this was a close game. But everybody wants Muschamp's head, and we'll talk about NC State later. Yeah, uh... Uh, Jared Garantano not have the best game for uh, the Volunteers there. 
Um, but what they did do is run the ball. You can see Ty Chandler with uh, 86 rushing yards. And um, their, their their defense was really something in this game. I mean, Henry, uh, 2-0-2-0. I don't, I'm not sure if that's actually how you say his name or not. Uh, I haven't heard it uh, in the media, but... Uh, 32-yard pick six as well uh, for the Vols. So he'll be in the draft next year. Yeah, I have heard of him. I just haven't heard his name recently in the in the media there. Um, Tennessee got the got the cover, another half point cover. Love to see those minus three and a half uh, over or un yeah over 43 and a half hit in this one. Baylor getting their first win of the season, first game of the season under their belt, 47-14 over Kansas. And, uh, yeah, we already knew Kansas sucked, uh, losing to Coastal Carolina at home. Lock of the week. It wasn't going to be close against Baylor. So uh, one guy I will point out, running back Treston Ebner for Baylor, absolutely fantastic game. Four touchdowns total, one on the ground, one through the air, and two kick return touchdowns, 83 and 100 yards. All-purpose beast. <laughs> I don't... You know, KU's quarterback didn't look awful besides the, the completion percentage, but you still had 14... I mean, for a quarterback at KU, that's the most dual threat they've probably ever had <laughs> in a long time. But you know you have problems when you give up two kick return touchdowns. That's all I need to say. It happens once, shame on you. Happens twice, we suck. <laughs> well, it it um <laughs> when they did happen, it was actually one in the third quarter, one in the fourth quarter. Baylor also got a safety in this game uh, before they kicked off for Ebner to return the 83-yard touchdown. Uh, so it was nine points for Baylor real quick in that scenario <laughs> in the in the early fourth quarter there. Puka Williams, though, uh, did look pretty good for uh, the Jayhawks there. Two touchdowns on the ground, 76 yards. Uh, I, think, but the... I think if KU can just stick with Les Miles for a while, they're never going to be world beaters, but they won't be laughing stocks anymore. Because you're talking about six plus, eight plus seasons of changing the culture and getting new recruits. Like how do you recruit someone to Kansas? Hey, come watch our basketball team and play on <laughs> on Saturdays in the meantime, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, another ranked team here, number 20, Virginia Tech. They beat NC State 45-24. And, you know... I'm not going to talk long about this. Go first, please. I mean, I don't even really know what to, to say. Uh, you see uh, the majority of the stats on this page are NC State stats. Uh, and here's the, I didn't get to watch this one, so. Here's the funny thing that all I'm going to throw out. 23 players were out for Virginia Tech. I would like to know how many starters. I think I read something that 10 or 11 were starters on both sides of the ball, so four and four on both sides of the ball, and NC State still didn't win. I had my mother-in-law who works for NC State, 
and my father-in-law both do. Dorian is gone, guys. How does he stay? I know that they've had some close encounters with Clemson, but they've dropped every other game that they should win. And they are regressing. How do you lose to someone with 23 players out? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it was interesting, too. Uh, I mean, NC State played played two quarterbacks in this game. So did Virginia Tech. Uh, I'm not sure what happened for Tech to play two quarterbacks, but I understand why um, NC State played two because the, the first guy threw two interceptions in uh, the the first half, I believe it was. Or, no, he threw okay, threw his second interception the first drive of the, the third quarter. But, uh, Watched a little bit of this game, and they just, in all honor, I don't know what better way to say, like, Virginia Tech was pushing them off the ball on, on defense and offense. Virginia Tech would snap it, and it looked like NC State people were gnomes in a yard, and they were just dropping <laughs> and doing what they wanted. And then on the other side of the ball, when it mattered, they were just plowing through, and everybody was in the backfield for NC State, and they were running for their lives. And then when the game got a little bit closer, it was like, okay, we don't have to pressure him as much. And then the score got a little bit better. I just, with as much as I know, NC State fans don't want to be stepchildren of of UNC or Duke. You guys are, and you guys need to figure it out. Because UNC is better than you in football now, and that was always the thing you could hang your hat on. We're better in football, but not in basketball. <laughs> Well, the the last game of the night here, number eighteen BYU, they stayed undefeated, forty eight to seven, trouncing of Troy, uh, and Zach Wilson looked phenomenal, three ninety two, two touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns as well, and you know it was interesting to see to to see Troy not not do anything after they had a really good game against Mid Tennessee last week. I mean, the thing is though, obviously. It, completely different defenses. BYU's defense is by far a uh, hell of a lot better than Mid-Tennessee's is. BYU's good team. I've always thought Troy is a great program. I expected more out of this. I picked BYU, but I thought it would be maybe 32-21, 32-22. 24, 38, 27. This was not what I was expecting. I don't know about you guys. I thought it would have been a little bit closer, but um, yeah, I'm reading here that Wilson threw a career high 392. So yeah, and and to to be 82 percent completion is absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, BYU had two. 100-yard receivers uh, with the 392 there. Uh, Milne did fumble one time, but it, it really didn't matter in this game. Uh, I think Troy's going to be a player in the Sun Belt, I feel like, uh, with the, the offensive firepower that they could have. Um, but we'll have to see. I think they'll still be good in their conference. And let's not forget BYU beat Tennessee last year. So maybe BYU is a little bit better than what we thought. What if they get inside you know, the top 15 or top 12 teams? be interesting to see 
yeah, if uh, I mean they they're playing some undefeated teams coming up, uh, Louisiana Tech this weekend on Friday and uh, UTSA after that. So uh, we'll see what they do against some more undefeated teams here. Otherwise, though, their schedule's not anything to, to hang their hat on, except for the Houston game, which, like we said on Friday, when is Houston playing? Because no one knows. So <laughs> um, that is all for the college games. Uh, like Fire. I said, a lot of team, a lot of games this weekend. But we're gonna, go, we're gonna have to go Power Five only talk soon. <laughs> I know. We we'll, we'll, we we talked about that a little bit before you came on, but uh, we'll go on to the NFL recap this weekend. Uh, first up, uh, the Eagles and Bengals went to overtime. They tied. There's a lot to talk about, Rusty. 23-23. Joe Burrow, uh, another 300-yard passing game for him. But you're throwing 40-plus times once again with your rookie quarterback. That's not going to win you the game. Miles Sanders looked great again, 95 yards. Uh, Tyler Boyd, fantastic, 125 receiving yards there. T. Higgins, two touchdowns, a big workload for him, uh, the biggest we've seen yet out of him this season. And the Philadelphia defense looked fantastic for once. Uh, um, Eight sacks, I believe it was, of of Joe Burrow. in this game here you you hit that what i wanted to talk about there's a few things that i'd like to talk and that is the first one you can't keep doing this to joe burrow and i'm not just saying that because i'm a fan of his leadership skills but that he's showed how many people have started from game one besides maybe a peyton manning or even even luck the Colts have lucked out with two good quarterbacks starting as 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 freshman so to speak in the NFL but you've had Achilles Smith and some bad things happen with the Bengals organization you can't keep rolling him out there and throwing this many times if he's going to get hit eight times in the NFL if he does that week in and week out the fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth hit is going to end this dude's career or at least put him on the bench for the rest of the season and regress developmentally wise because he's only going to be rehabbing. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah there was that one play that he mm-hmm. stayed in on and got hit pretty hard, and then he had to come out for the next play. So, yeah, that just, all, that's going to happen a lot. You can't. I mean, he's so good because he avoids. They probably should have sacked him 12 times, to be honest. Let's talk about that. And I'm not saying he's like a Michael Vick, but he, he's crafty enough to get out, side the pocket, throw it away, and save himself. The yes. other thing is the Eagles are 0-2-1, and they're still in the division race. And I understand we've only played three games. But a lot of other divisions, you'd be looking up this way. In their division, they're kind of just looking this way. They're still only a game behind. They're, well, they're, that's, they're a half game behind. <laughs> The Cowboys are the clear people that are going to give you fits. Right now, the Giants are not anywhere near what the Eagles are capable or the Redskins, which brings me to the second point. And I hate to say this because I do think he has been good, but I'm not going off past things. Wentz looks like the worst quarterback in the NFL right now that is getting as much passing attempts that he's getting with the talent around him. 
That doesn't mean that the Jets and Darnold. I'm talking about. We're talking about a team that's been to the Super Bowl, and Foles comes in and does something for the Bears. Wentz looks like garbage, guys. You can't even you can't even put Febreze on his play and say that it smells a little good with Febreze and Airwicks because it's been shit. Yeah, uh, Carson Wentz did throw two interceptions again for the third straight game. Like I said, that was the first time an Eagles quarterback has done that since Ron Zaworski in 1985. One of them wasn't his fault. Uh, it got deflected oh, at the line. Uh, I mean, the announcers were right. The announcers were right, though. It, it looked like it was going to be an interception regardless. Uh, Wentz said he, he felt good about that throw and that he could he could have got it into Deshaun Jackson there. I, I'm not sure. Miles Sanders, though, looked good. I do love his play. Yeah, and then, uh, I mean, we, we can also talk about the uh, Doug's decision, Doug Peterson's decision at the end of the game. Uh, so the Eagles were going to kick a 59-yard field goal, uh, which is in within Jake Elliott's range. Uh, Matt Pryor, false starts, uh, moves it back to a 64-yard field goal. Doug decides not to take that. Not to go for it on fourth and twelve. So, punts the ball, that, tie game. With that though, that's the big thing that that got me on Sunday watching this game is what that told me is you don't you don't you're not trusting Carson Wentz anymore. That doesn't mean that you have given up on him, but the Carson Wentz what you would have done two years ago, you would have said, "Here's the ball, give me the first down." And I don't know if it's a because it's COVID and we haven't done everything and, and no one and the thing is I'm we probably need to stop talking about this because Tom Brady didn't have the same you know training camp and OTAs that everybody else hasn't got and Carson Wentz and blah 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 but he's got to get on the same page with his receivers. Peterson's got to understand what he has in his quarterback and start making some plays because. If he doesn't, I think both are going to be in the hot seat. There's, and the the problem is, o two and one. I bet you the Eagles sneak into the playoffs, and maybe they're one of the scariest teams if they just figure it out. But they've got to figure it out. If they start o three and one, I don't know about that. I think the Cowboys, because look at the schedules. That's what scares me. It it I doesn't. I think the Cowboys can go two and one. Or three and zero in their next three games, and I think the Eagles could go one and two or zero and three. It doesn't get any easier for Philadelphia. They have the hardest predicted schedule uh, by Football Power Index, and the the Cowboys, like you said, they have the second or third easiest, I believe. Easiest. Yep, that's what scares me. And we all know we don't want to watch those Cowboys take a playoff spot and then just shit their pants again. Yeah, yeah. Philly goes on the road. Philly's going on the road next Sunday night to San Francisco. I think they they win that. I think they win that, though. Steelers, they stayed perfect 28-21 over the Texans. They go to 0-3. James Conner. Fun game. James Conner had another fantastic game on the ground uh, for Pittsburgh. And the the defense is, uh, again... Fantastic. <laughs> TJ Watt, Stefan Tuitt, you can see it there. Four quarterback hits each. 
uh, to go with a sack to each as well. My my takeaways from this game was Randall Cobb got into the mix. For once. <laughs> four, four targets, four receptions, 95 yards, a touchdown. Deshaun Watson, I really did believe that he could do. We talked about him, Alex and I. I picked the Steelers. He didn't. That he needed to have the MJ-like performance. And some of his throws, the one to Fuller in the back of the end zone for, for a touchdown was nasty, guys. But his offensive line literally sucks. It's not as bad as Cincinnati, but it's not any better, almost. He doesn't get sacked enough like Burroughs because he's been around the NFL and he's shifty and does different things. But it's it's showing that they're missing Hopkins and that O'Brien needs to get them out of Houston. Do I need to say anything else? I can talk a lot of good things because still Houston might be the best 0-3 team, but they're still 0-3, and the Steelers did enough to win the game. I do love the Steelers' defense. We talked about them. Someone said that they haven't played anybody, but they're still finding ways to win ballgames. I love the Steelers' defense. Yeah, Houston is definitely the best 0-3 team. I mean, through the first three weeks, they've played <laughs> – probably three of the best teams in the league that are combined eight and one through the first three weeks. So, I mean, we'll have to see what happens throughout the rest of the season, but I kind of expected them to be 0 and three at this point in the season, regardless of how good they actually are. Um, But their division is, I don't want to say as bad as the NFC East, but their division is still still pretty bad as well. They could still win this division. Mm -hmm. That's the funny part. They can make the playoffs with seven or eight losses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know. The The Steelers' defense had another five sacks this weekend. That brings their season total to 15 through three games. <laughs> five a game. So, yeah, uh, I would assume that they're pretty good. And, Chris, you talked about the, the Texans who they played uh, – just uh, your record is wrong. It's because they they play the Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers, all undefeated. Yeah, but I'm saying after oh. tonight they'll have one loss between the three teams. All right, all right. They'll be eight and one between the three teams. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> See, he's proactive. <laughs> that's for that's for next week's show. <laughs> <laughs> By by Friday's show, the 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 Ravens or Chiefs will be two and one instead of three and zero, or uh, two and zero. Um, Steelers did cover minus four in this one here. The game that I know our friend Jack loves, Mark. <laughs> the Falcons blew another lead. What's new in the NFL? Bears are the worst. Three and O team in the NFL as well. Thirty to twenty six in Atlanta. They won. Uh, coming back, Nick Foles comes off the bench. Hundred eighty eight yards, three touchdowns. Um, absolutely fantastic and a comeback effort. I, I don't know. Does someone want to talk about this or <laughs> what? I, I I'm flabbergasted. It's just what did I text you on Sunday? I don't know if you saw it because you didn't respond to me, but I was yeah, I like. Did. <laughs> Rusty, I'm just so glad that I'm not a Falcons fan. Like, what do you do? What do you do as a Falcons fan? 
how does the coach still have his job? I Todd Gurley, 5.7 average, one touchdown. I think that's great. Why don't you give him more? Maybe maybe he had just had a lot of long runs. I watched a little bit of this game, and I was like, it's boring. In the first half, or the first one or two drives, Trubisky looked good. And I'm like, dang, you look good. And then, you know, that went off the wagon. And then the Falcons, 16-10 at halftime. Let's all talk about that. And then it ends up 30-20. I just – it's it's <clears throat> No, I just it's find it stupid. funny. I just find it funny that Trubisky's been pretty good so far this year. And then the first sign of trouble, they pull him. He wasn't then, terrible. I didn't yeah. think he was even terrible on Sunday. Yeah. But – I'm not giving the Falcons a pass, but they were playing without Julio Jones this week. Not saying that that would have changed anything because they lost yeah, last week with right. Julio But And they, Calvin Ridley, though, in his absence was – I mean, he, he was targeted 13 times. That's the thing. He was targeted – That that's my thing is you're targeted 13 times, the defense is going to freaking adjust. And I think that's – they came one-dimensional. Without Julio Jones, they came one-dimensional. And the Bears go, <laughs> I'm going to uh, – okay, I'm going to take this away. Or you throw at him, and I'm going to make sure he doesn't catch. Yeah. Because it was all – was, most of it was the first half. Could it be possible Jimmy Graham coming back now? Maybe a little bit back to form? That's what I was saying because, you know, uh, Foles in Philadelphia he had Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. He did. So, you know, let, he likes tight ends, man. Let's be honest about this. How many times has Nick Foles came in and let a comeback? He <laughs> that should be his nickname, the comeback kid. Well, he does Our have a, he does have another nickname, but yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna say that one right now. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, Allen Robinson looked fantastic again, 123 yards and touchdown on 10 catches. Um, but Akeem Hicks, really the Chicago defense down the down the stretch, though, is really what I think uh, allowed Nick Foles to, to come back because Akeem Hicks had a monster game. One and a half sacks, yes, but five quarterback hits is crazy. I just, yeah, that's, that's an underrated sorry. stat for sure. I'm sorry to all the Falcons fans. <laughs> <laughs> the... Next game was another comeback as well, uh, an, an almost blown lead. Uh, Bills that, came back 35-32. They stay undefeated. Let's talk about this. Um, yeah, Mark, you should talk about it because you're the Rams fan. Like, so, what were you thinking about all game? So before you talk about that, I want to talk about Josh Allen because uh, he's fantastic right now. Uh, he's playing out of his mind. Five more touchdowns this week. I uh, did turn the ball over twice. Uh, he needs to get those damn fumbling issues out of his system because uh, I think he has. I don't know if he he fumbled last week or not, but I know he has three at least. The Jets, I know that. Yeah, he has three at least this season. Well, what I was thinking through the whole game is we don't deserve to win this. We're going to get blown out. Let's let's. The first half was ridiculous. Circuit second half tell two different tapes. Falcons Super Bowl score, 28-3. note, watching this game, I agree with Rusty on a few things. Josh Allen looks like the quarterback that my best friend, who was his athletic trainer for Wyoming football, now at 
Georgia as an athletic trainer, told me about, watched game film with him, um, may have uh, talked to him before on the phone or shook his hand. I was really excited when he came in the league. When that happens, just meeting someone, especially from a small school, I get excited. And he's starting to command the field like someone that should be in his position. And he's making some throws and some reads that he didn't in his first few years. He's got to get the turnovers under control because they should have lost this game, guys. And it would have been all on Josh Allen. So I wouldn't use the word fantastic. I would use the word as he's coming in to be a better quarterback. And I have high expectations moving forward and in the years. But they were bailed out. They were bailed out. The offensive player, the receiver started the contact. And am I one to complain? Because we had some legitimate weird calls getting to the Super Bowl. And then that was the lamest Super Bowl I've seen in years. But my thing is, the Bills had a big lead. They let the Rams back in the game, and they were bailed out by another terrible call. What is pass interference anymore? And is it pass interference on defense or offense anymore? Can we just get this straightened out? I don't care about replays. Can someone just, the letter of the law be laid down? We can hand fight like little fucking girls five to ten yards and let's play football. Or we can't. Just pick and choose. Uh, I don't think any of the refs really know what any of the penalties are anymore. Because there was, I forget which game it was. It might have been the Cowboys and Seahawks game. But there was, I think it happened twice where there was a pick on the line. They threw the flag, and then they picked it back up. They're like, no, it was it was within a yard, so it's fine. They did that multiple times yesterday. Yeah, I thought it was interesting in this one to see uh, Josh Allen not not relying on Stefan Diggs as much uh, and having to, to go to Cole Beasley. We, we talked about that. Yeah. We talked about, Yeah, it's, you know, it's the Jalen Ramsey-Stefan Diggs being, fight. But, but I thought Cole Beasley stepped up tremendously. And I didn't see that coming because he hadn't had a very good game. We still look at Cooper Cup. He's making his money now, 9 for 107. But that I think that is the difference in the game, regardless of of calls or whatnot. Cole Beasley, to me, was the difference in this game. I was happy getting, because I have him on fantasy. So. Getting the separation that I haven't seen since he was in Dallas. Well, I was somewhat happy fantasy-wise because Stephon Diggs didn't have his normal output, but... Uh, I did not get my return in the first week of this trade with Melvin Gordon having a terrible game against Tampa, which we'll talk about. But once again, Aaron Donald, another monster game. <laughs> best, best defensive lineman in the <laughs> And also, let's not, before we leave, let's not keep talking about Henderson for the Rams, 20 carries, 114 yards. They are not missing a beat in the backfield. Now, I don't think he has the dynamics to catch catch the football like Gurley, and I don't think the Rams are using him the way that they should use him. You know, if Julio Jones is out and you have Calvin Ridley, well, you should start using Todd Gurley in the catch game. If, if you can give him 88 yards handoff, he can catch a football. Chris, you had something left for well, I, I was just going to say, when we were doing these picks on Friday, I was under the impression that the Bills would be down a couple linebackers. But then... 
both I played. Saw that they played. So yeah. I kind of expected this outcome when I saw that. But. Uh, all right. The the Bills covered a minus two here. Uh, on over forty six and a half hit for this one. Let's go to Cleveland. <laughs> the Browns have a five or over five hundred for the first time in six years. <laughs> Two and one, 34 20 over the Washington football team. And uh, Dwayne Haskins, three interception game. Nick Chubb, uh, another another fantastic game for him, though. And Dontrell Inman, I thought, was an interesting story with two touchdowns in this game. I haven't seen him on the stat line for a minute. I, did, I think. I just. I like seeing the Browns win. They, they are. They're even worse than the Cubs maybe for baseball. I mean, the drought isn't as long, I would say, I guess. 108 years for World Series is long. Uh, but I love Baker Mayfield commercials, and I'd like to see them have some success. But with that said, it's, it's against the Washington football team. So <laughs> let's not get you know our hopes up. I still... It, what was Mayfield's stat line? It, it was so-so, right? Yeah, that's why I didn't put it. Their <laughs> defense. Uh, 156 and yards and two touchdowns. I mean, did he have a turnover, though? No. That's, that's I think, is a key moving forward for him. It doesn't always – the thing is, you don't always have to be three or 400 yards, but that's the new norm in the NFL <clears throat> people are good. For him, don't turn it over. Let your – if your defense can get going on the front line and stop in the secondary, then you're always going to have Chubb and Hunt and just don't turn it over. That's his big thing. Yeah. Um, no, but the Browns, like you were saying, they're 2-1, and one, yay, whatever, but they've played the Bengals and the Redskins <laughs> in the last two weeks. So <laughs> let's see. Let's see what happens in the future. But, um, yeah, it's nice to see them – actually kind of competing for once and uh i'm all on the chub train though he's my fantasy running back so keep it up hot chub time machine right Nick? right right chris how <laughs> many points did he get you i think he got me like almost well, 40 or something like that yes son yes sir uh there's no way he got you 40 but anyways well it was <laughs> what kind of league are you in? Two touchdowns and that's that's oh, okay, never twenty. Mind. That's twenty. Twenty-four, but still. Yeah. <laughs> Russell Wilson got me forty-six though. Uh, Josh Allen got me thirty-nine, so I'm all right. <laughs> I just want to know who had Alvin Kamara. That that was, that was nasty. Waiting to see for this night tonight's game to see if I made the right choice in starting Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes, which I think I did. So. Anyways, the Titans squeaked out of a victory. Whoa, we all picked the Titans. 31 to 30. Titans uh, stay undefeated in the AFC here. And, I mean, Ryan Tannehill looked all right. Uh, No touchdowns for him. But Derrick Henry ran the ball once again 26 more times. Dalvin Cook looked fantastic, though. 181 yards on the ground. Did have the turnover though, right there. You know that, that's a it's a it's a tough zero and three team 
as well in some regards. If Kirk Cousins would stop turning the ball over, I think the Vikings would not be 0-3. <clears throat> Maybe the worst 3-0 team, the Titans, if you want to talk about it, I don't know. Good teams find ways to win, though. They found a way to win against the Patriots. They found ways to win against the Ravens, and they didn't against a superior team in the Chiefs last playoffs. But they're finding ways to win right now. Well, who have they played? They played the Jaguars, the Vikings, and who? And the Broncos, week one. Broncos. Oh, yeah, right. So they're all... That was with Drew Locke. One in one, oh, and oh teams. The 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 real MVP I want to say for this game is Mr. Goskowski though, six yeah. of six field goals in this one here. That's my, that's that's the key stat that people want should look at. The Titans are moving the ball. Their red zone efficiency has to be one of the worst for three and O team in the NFL. In all honesty, and he was bad, and they won against the Broncos. And he's getting better and better and kicking field goals to win ball game. So it, the Titans figure it out. They might be one of the best teams in the NFL. Who knows? But it also could be, you never figure out your red zone problems, and then you look like a good team that should be better. Yeah, I can't recall when the last time it was. I, I had read it somewhere before, but the. Steven Goskowski has kicked game-winning field goal in the first three weeks. <laughs> the Vikings did cover, plus two and a half here. Uh, over 49 and a half, easily hitting this one. But uh, let's go to Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. They got the win 36-20, to 20, uh, took the Raiders' undefeated streak down um i mean Derek carr fumbled the ball twice but i think uh sony michelle was a surprise on the ground i i did not see him running for 117 yards and rex burkhead really three touchdowns for him is some bs chris in our league on nfl.com uh i don't know why you started him but because i had nobody else my two starters were saquon and Le'Veon, and they're both out so I had to pick somebody up, and that's who I picked up. And he got me to like 35 points or something like that. So. Absolute trash. I think, that, I think that Coach Belichick, which is the greatest coach, um, and maybe all besides Phil Jackson and all professional sports, knows what he has. And he, him and McDaniels have tailored it to what they have, and they're finding ways to win. Does that mean that Cam is back. Does that mean that the rate the Patriots are going to be world beaters? Here's the thing: you're going to encounter better defenses, which I I I think the Raiders can compete, but their defense isn't playoff beat the Chiefs good enough. But teams are going to make Cam Newton throw the ball where he has to throw the ball and pass for 345 yards to win a ball game. Does that make sense? They rushed for 250 yards and won a ball game. But you're going to eventually play other teams, which they played a good Seattle defense, and they lost 38-31 last Sunday, and he did go for over 300-plus yards. So I think he's capable 
But is he capable consistently to do it is the question. Yeah, Cam did not have that great of a game. Only 162 through the air, 27 on the ground. Uh, it's his second lowest output of his career, I think they said, uh, yeah. on the ground there. So uh, Hunter Renfro had a great game as well um, through the air for, for Derek Carr in that passing game. But Dietrich Wise for the Pats defense there, fumble return for a touchdown. Uh, that one was another zero-yarder uh, where Derek Carr got strip-sacked in the end zone and uh, Wise recovered it there. But um, the Pats covered minus 5.5 here, over 47.5 um, hit for this one. The next game, a wonderful New York team at 0-3. What a surprise. Nick Mullins looked great in this game. 343 yards through the air, one touchdown. Um, Daniel Jones, however, did not look good in this game. Two turnovers, one fumble, one interception. And I don't know, Jeff Wilson, man. Two touchdowns. I wish I would have started him in fantasy. <laughs> he was definitely a surprise out of nowhere. Um, I mean, I know they were hurting in the running back department, but still. Uh, I was expecting the Jarek McKinnon show, which, yeah, he did a couple of good things too, but I thought it was going to be, like, their combined stats I thought would be his pretty much. Yeah, absolute trash averages though. Um, and it's weird because I don't think that the San Francisco offensive line is – act is that, that might be the only thing that's not banged up at this point. Uh, I don't know of any injuries on their O-line anyways. Um, but yeah, Brandon Ayuk, uh, is good to see him get a, get a good game. His first real, real good game of his, uh, rookie season here. We talked about it Friday. It just, I, this was one of the games I thought Daniel Jones had to, with <laughs> all the injuries, even though the 49ers are a better team than you, you have to come out and prove that you have something to offer as a franchise quarterback. And this, this was bad. I don't think the 49ers are going to be world beaters moving forward, and I think both New York teams are going to be vying for the first and second pick moving forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happened to Devontae Freeman? Did he even like play at all on Sunday? Yes, yes, he every did. Every time I looked at the game, it was uh, Gallman in it running back. So, uh, well, uh, Devontae Freeman had five carries for ten yards. And you talked about Wayne Gallman. He had four carries for seven yards. Daniel Jones was the leading rusher for the Giants at 49 yards on five carries. Um, Gallman had two catches for seven yards. Freeman didn't get in the passing game at all. Unless you have somebody like Lamar Jackson as your quarterback, your running back should not be your leading rusher. You mean your quarterback? <laughs> uh, yeah, your quarterback should not be your leading rusher. Yeah, uh, I mean, Daniel Jones having to do it all by himself in New York right now. Um, but uh, Leonard Williams getting on the board with the sack. Uh, has a half more now than he did in all of last season. So, <laughs> with the Giants. <laughs> That's the one good thing that happened to the Jets last year. And it was it was good for the uh, the Niners defense with all their defensive line injuries to see Kerry Hyder get three quarterback hits as well uh, on a pretty bad offensive line in new york the panthers got their first win that's why i'm wearing a panther jersey today instead of a steelers yes, jersey did. wearing my keekly jersey i don't have anyone that's either healthy or not on the panthers anymore so 
Um, <laughs> Justin Herbert looked good again, man. I, I, he had a, another interception and a fumble. But one thing in this game, though, the Panthers' defense looked great uh, compared to their first two weeks. Well, we all know I was going on a hot date Friday. Loved my hot date. It became even hotter on Sunday when the Panthers won. My wife was so <laughs> excited. She jumped jumped on me, and I was like, let's go. I'm stopping an NFL. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> she was excited about the Panthers. I just, I'm throwing that in there for chuckles. She was. Ex- we watched this game. She was so excited about, man, McCafferty's out. Keekly's gone. I don't even like to watch the Panthers because his sexy face is gone. No, I'm just um, they did look good on defense. And I know it's a rookie quarterback, and they probably changed some things up and did some things different. I was impressed that they went all the way across to the West Coast and won. He still looked good, though, guys. He may be the still of this draft if he continues to perform this way. 49 attempts for 330 yards. I know it didn't equate to a lot of scores, and – it was a t- uh, interception. Keenan Allen looked frustrated at times. I mean, they panned in on him, and I just didn't understand. I think he's in frus- frustrated with not winning. But you're getting thrown 19 times, yeah. Keenan Allen. 19 is ridiculous. Thir- 13 receptions. Like, he's going to your his bread and butter as a rookie. You should like that. I don't know if you want him to spread the ball around so it helps you, but I don't know any number one receiver that's going to get mad at 19 targets. And he about looked like he was starting a fight on the sideline a few times. I mean, I know I personally was happy about Kenyon Allen getting so much attention because I have him also in the league that I played against Russell, and he got me another 30 points too. But, um, yeah, I just a quick note on Herbert. Rusty knows this too. Before the draft – I was saying Herbert was my favorite quarterback in the draft. I thought, well, other than Joe Burrow, he was the lock for number one overall. But I thought that the Dolphins should have went with Herbert over Tua. And oh, I, I was so happy when they did that. I was so happy when they picked Tua. But, yeah. I think, I think Herbert has a long, bright future in NFL. I think it's only going to get better. You think about the people that they've lost this year on the defensive side of the ball when it comes back. I think the Chargers, people can talk about it left or right, and depending how they develop or draft, especially if they go, let's say they go three and something, I think they can, can start start competing with the Chiefs eventually. Yeah, I think, I think that, you know, people were talking about how the, it's it's really the, just the Rams stadium, pretty much. The Chargers don't, aren't going to have any fans anyways there. But Justin Herbert, you have a rookie quarter that's playing this well. Uh, it's not translating to wins necessarily right now, but if you have a, a, a long-term solution under center, you're you're going to get some fans. You're going to have some some uh, air around your team, and, and you're going to get some popularity out there, I think. He looks good, guy. I really, I'm really, I enjoy watching him. I want to tune in just to see how he slings the ball, reads the field, and I like Burroughs too. But AJ Green is getting older. TJ Boyd had a great game, but I think what the Chargers have year three, 
if you let him, depending on how you play this season out, and then you give him a whole full season and see everybody's game t- tape on him. But if he keeps doing this, year three, I think, is a turning point for the Chargers. Yeah, just last thing on this game, uh, Mike Davis filled in very admirably for Christian McCaffrey. 91 scrimmage yards, um, also had a receiving touchdown, as well as eight catches, uh, which I don't think a lot of people saw um, in his game necessarily from uh, some of the other places he's been around the league. And before we leave, Shaq Thompson is really, he's a really good defensive player, guys. He doesn't get the same attention as you know Aaron Donald and, and Watts is and stuff, but Shaq Thompson is really good. Jeremy Chen, rookie safety for the Panthers, also very good game. Twelve tackles there. Um, the Chris's team here. <laughs> Do we have to talk about it? This was an absolute horrible. That was game. my lock. Was it Chris's lock? Too? Did you lock it on, Chris? Uh, I mean, it was my underdog. Jets were gonna lose. Yeah, you dog. and I went with the Colts as locks, man. Chris was on the dog of the week for a plus oh, eleven and a half with the Jets. I wouldn't have gone with them, though, if you had told me before the show about the double points thing that we were doing now. Because I knew they had no shot of winning this game. But I thought that the line was too big, which clearly that wasn't. But, um, like, even without the two pick sixes, they still covered. Which... (laughs) (laughs) Philip Rivers didn't miss a lot of throws, which is a good thing for First time, not a lot of yards. No, he didn't turn the ball over for the first well, time this season. Thing. He didn't turn the ball over, <laughs> and on the flip side, Sam Darnold just was throwing it to the other team. Just here, here, we want the first pick, please, please. Trevor Lawrence is going to take take over my spot. <laughs> um, I mean, this this might have honestly been his worst game of his career. I I I, I agree with that. It, it was terrible, Chris. Like, like this might have been worse than the Patriots game last year when he was seeing ghosts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it didn't help that Makai Becton got injured during the game. Uh, yeah, he was without both of his tackles, his top three receivers, and his starting <laughs> running back. So, not many quarterbacks in this league can win with a team that was on the field. Well, you but, know what, though, you know what, it, it's gonna start looking like that. The, the same thing that they say in Philadelphia where, oh, we don't have all these people. It doesn't matter. You got you to gotta win somehow. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, that that, happened Thursday night either. But the, 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 the Jets are, are in a predicament, that's for sure. <laughs> Two pick sixes, like you said, TJ Carey, 47 yards. Xavier Rhodes, uh Good, good game for him uh, coming back with a pick six as well. I haven't heard much from him in the first couple weeks here, getting his career rejuvenated in Indianapolis. I do have to say, though, Braxton Berrios has looked pretty good in his two weeks as one of the starting receivers. So His stats look pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, I want to throw a shout-out to Lawrence Cager. LC got a couple catches this week, two for 35. Um they need to use him better, Chris. They need they need to use Lawrence Cager more. This. Well, hopefully they don't need him in these weeks. Hopefully hey, he was the only reason that. that we beat Notre Dame <laughs> yeah, last year. Exactly. I mean, you guys can all say that 
Fromm just threw the ball up and Kaiser went and got it when it mattered on third down. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, the yeah, like you said, the, the Colts did cover minus eleven and a half here, um, and we'll go that, on that to was my dog of the week. They they were over eleven and a half. You thought I was saying under? No, I said they were going to win them more. All right. The the team that the Jets are playing on Thursday night here, they lost as well. They're 0 3 as well. The Tampa Bay Bucks got the win, 28 to 10, uh, and Brady looked good for the first time in this year. I think uh, 297, three touchdowns for him. Mike Evans keeps pissing me off in fantasy, uh, even when I'm not playing against him. Uh, it's it's just stupid. It, that's the first time in NFL history. Someone has had two catches for two yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> and that makes it's just it really, dumb. That's why I I don't can I, we're gonna get off track. But this is one thing that I don't like about fantasy: the point emphasis. Why can't things be more balanced? Okay, you got two touchdowns, but you have two freaking yards. I would. Why doesn't someone? Why we need to. Get calculate a system where someone that has six or seven catches for 138 yards and no touchdowns gets more points than Mike Evans. Well, there there are leagues that you get uh, bonuses for 100 yard receiving games, but uh, I do not play in many of those. <laughs> well, it would only be smarter, is all I'm saying. Can we just have an analytical league? Can people that love football? That's what we don't have. Let's. Do a fantasy. And Mark, Mark is frozen. Yeah, we we lost Mark. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, Chris, uh, what do you think of this game? I mean, Shaq Barrett, that that Tampa Bay defense is all over the Denver offensive line. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I kind of expected it because of the injuries to the Broncos offense. Um, and even though Driscoll did look good last week, filling in for uh, filling in for Locke, this yeah, I, I totally expected it. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens on uh, Thursday night between them and the Jets. Yeah, Shelby Harris had another uh, great game, and I, I I think uh, Mark Mark is going to come back into the call eventually, but. Um, Shelby Harris had a, had a really good game for the Denver defense. We'll talk about some injuries that they had on on that side of the ball there. But you know what? Uh, I mean, you talk about Driscoll at the Broncos quarterback position. I'll, I'll talk about this more when we get to the Thursday night preview, but Brett Rippon looked fantastic until he threw his interception. He was 8 of 8 uh, until, until he threw a, an interception in the end zone to end that drive there, but... Um, might be a quarterback situation in Denver this week, uh, especially on a short week. We'll we'll have to keep monitoring that. But mm-hmm. uh, the the Bucks covered at minus five and a half in this one. The next game, a, a probably the upset of the week. I know this was your this was you and Alex's lock, Chris. The Cardinals go down to Detroit twenty six twenty three in Arizona. Um, uh, one thing, uh, Kyler Murray did not look good at all. Three picks. 
Uh, it should have been four interceptions. I don't know if you were watching this game. He threw another one right to the guy, and it, he just dropped it. But I was closely monitoring it because I have him as my quarterback in one of my leagues. So, um, yeah, I was kind of disappointed to see three interceptions. I, I mean, obviously, like you said, it was my lock of the week, and I thought that this game was just too much for the uh, Lions to handle. But then I also forgot about the <clears throat> Kenny Galladay factor. Yeah. And how he was coming back and all that. So, I know that helped out Stafford a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Kenny Galladay, 6 for 57 and a touchdown. Um, Adrian Peterson, uh, look, I mean, 3.4 average is not good, obviously. But um, the Lions are, are locked in on AP. as, And they're giving him the kind of carries that he used to have before. Um, uh, when he was in Minnesota. So... I think that's good for them. I mean, Carryon Johnson looked okay. I think in the in the couple couple times that I saw him get the ball, but uh, DeAndre Swift not really getting a lot of work. He had one catch for 19 yards and no rushes in this game. is very interesting to see that. DeAndre Hopkins just keeps dominating everyone though, so <laughs> which I'm happy about uh, fantasy purposes there. Andy Isabella getting two scores as well is an interesting nugget in this one. Well, that was he got more playing time because uh, Kirk was out, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, he was he was the third guy there uh, with Larry Fitz and and D Hop. Yeah, um, where's Fitzgerald been so far this year? I haven't heard much about him. It's been all about DeAndre Hopkins so far. Yeah, uh, Fitz only got three targets and had one catch for zero yards. I mean, he only has twelve receptions for eighty-four yards this season, so uh, kind of taking a back seat. He, he's he's had a lot of work in his career. You know, he, now it's time to relax and get a couple catches a game maybe and sit back and hope they can get a Super Bowl. Just a side note, though, the, the Lions' record is actually kind of um, misleading because they could have easily been 3-0, and yep. at least 2-1, and because they should have won the game against the Bears. But they had a 14-point lead on the Packers in Week 2, though. So if they had held on to that, they could have been 3-0. and But, yeah, the Lions are, I think, a team to watch out for throughout the season. Yeah, Kyler Murray, uh, he became only the third quarterback in NFL history to rush for a touchdown in each of his first three games of the season. Uh, Hassan Reddick, interesting getting him a uh, sack. He has been touted as a bust in Arizona, but uh, we'll see what his statistics go on from here. Uh, Detroit, plus 5.5, got the cover uh, and the win. The, was, he, was he the kid from Temple that was at the draft that we were? That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, yep, number seven overall uh, there. The this was a wild game, man. Thirty-eight, thirty-one Seahawks. They got the win. Stay undefeated in a very tough NFC West. But I mean, what? I don't even think we have to keep saying it. Russell Wilson is fantastic. He's, <laughs> he's on his way to MVP for sure. <laughs> um, if he. Well, I also saw something today that I kind of, like, laughed at. If he continues on this path that he's going on right now, he's on pace for, like, 74 touchdowns this year, which would shatter the single-season record by, like, 20 touchdowns. Um, Will that happen? Most likely not. But I think he can get close to that record, though, with the way he's been playing. Yeah, and I mean, I, I... I hate the Cowboys, 
I, I kind of needed them to win for this, this major parlay that I had going uh, that included the Panthers winning against the Chargers and the Lions winning against the Cardinals. Uh, if only the Cowboys, Saints, and uh, Chiefs would win tonight. If only the Cowboys and Saints would have won, the Chiefs would have won tonight too as well. Would have been a big-time payout. Let's just say that, $10, $10 to win 3000 Um <laughs> And I was I was very disappointed because I was rooting for the Cowboys for the first time ever, and they let me down. Uh, but I mean, the Saints let me down too. We'll talk about that here. But what can we say about the friggin'? I mean, we talk about Russell Wilson, but I mean, Lockett and Gallup are amazing too. Lockett having three touchdowns there. DK should have had a touchdown. Uh, it was a very bad play for him. Very good play. Uh, for uh, I forget who the corner was that for Dallas there um, that made that play, but yeah, it was uh, an interesting game, and I kind of feel bad for Dak. Like I said, I hate the Cowboys, but I kind of feel bad for Dak because if he had a defense, uh, then then they, they might actually win some games. But uh, the Cowboys' defense is absolutely horrible, aside from Alden Smith, who not playing for the last however many. Years, has been lights out for that defensive line. Uh, three sacks in this one, four quarterback hits as well on Russell Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> <And> he's back. <laughs> he's getting his audio connected. Um, <laughs> hello, Mark. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> um. No, I just want to say thank you, Rusty, for uh, suggesting Michael Gallup to me. I, I asked you that on the Friday show, who to start, and you said Michael Gallup, and he had a very good game. So. <laughs> who did I say start him over? <laughs> I forget. <laughs> it was him, I think Larry Fitzgerald, or Jared Goff, because in that league I could start quarterback. Oh, uh, the Superflex League, yeah. <laughs> and, but... I should have started golf too at the quarterback position. I had Justin Herbert as my quarterback for that. Hello, Mark. Can you hear us? Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes, sir. We got you now. <laughs> well, I have an outage in my neighborhood for AT and T. I guess someone crashed into a pole. No, I really don't know. <laughs> but it, it's not the house internet. I got. A, I had some neighbors knock on the door, and they're like, "Is your internet out?" <laughs> I'm working currently, and I got nothing. I was like, well, I was on a podcast. <laughs> so uh, tell us your, your thoughts on this uh, crazy Seahawks-Cowboys game here. Well, I don't – we all can talk about who – we all know the Falcons are the first people that fans can be frustrated with. But after that, it's got to be the Cowboys. I mean, their offense is good enough to click – uh, I thought a funny play was Russell to DJ Metcalf and was poked out for a touchback. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yet again, I mean, look at Dak's yardage, 472. But he had the three touchdowns and two interceptions. Russell Wilson, again, so efficient, five touchdowns, no turnovers. That's just the difference. If Dak doesn't turn it over, the Cowboys probably win this ball game. 
they're relying a lot on him. That's 57 pass attempts. That's the same as some of the college games we were talking about. And you have Zeke. Yeah, he wasn't much of a factor. Yeah, one one last thing on this. I thought it was weird. I was watching the game here. And the the fourth down play to end the game, I don't think that Dak had to throw that ball into the end zone. Uh, he had right. about 22 seconds to go. Yeah. And it looked like there was no one in front of him. I thought he could have ran for the first down. Uh, and, and he just wanted to try something, and it didn't work out and lost the game that way. So, um, yeah, I, that, that's the last thing I have on this game. The uh, Seahawks covered, minus five. I know that was a big thing for a lot of betters out there that had the Seahawks because they scored that late touchdown and it was minus five, so I <laughs> got the cover there. Sunday night football, Chris. Mr. Breeze, uh, very efficient, uh, 80, 80%. Three touchdowns, had an okay game. Uh, just Aaron Rodgers is better. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say better, really, because he had less completions and all that and less yards, but it just came down to one play, basically. I mean, it was only a touchdown game, and these two teams, I think, are just very evenly matched. Um, and, I mean, as, uh, as Mark has been saying, Alvin Kamara had an amazing game. 13 catches for 139 yards and two touchdowns. And then, I mean, he didn't have the greatest game on the ground, though. Only six carries for 58. But, yeah, if Kamara wasn't there, I think this game would have been a lot more of a blowout. Yeah, I think that's what's misleading about Drew Brees' stats is that a, a good chunk were was on that Camara amazing four broken tackle run or whatever, however many broken tackles he had on that one mm-hmm. touchdown run. Uh, but it was a throw from Breeze, so he got all the yardage. But uh, Alan Lazard, though, very good game for him. I was kind that of was, mad. That was a difference maker in the game for me. I was kind of mad because I, I had Marquez Valdez-Scantling starting and not Alan Lazard. Because I thought Valdez Scantling was the guy. Now that Devontae Adams was out, prove me wrong. Uh, <laughs> what I find fascinating about this game is the Bucks are now in first place in that division, even though they lost to the Saints. And I mean, it's it's still so young. That doesn't mean I don't think they're going to run away with the division by yeah. any means. But it puts them in position, and depending on schedules, you know you don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, they're going to play each other again, but now it's going to be in Tampa Bay. So, it's in this this division's intriguing. You know who's going to show more signs of aging? And my wife and I were watching this together, and you know Rogers throws the first pass to Lazard. On the back shoulder, he catches it. It's a long, deep ball. And she goes, "He, honey, he he was moving to the side. And I said, what <laughs> you're trying to say is he didn't have his feet planted. I don't even, it was off his back foot somewhat. He was just, Rogers was moving to his left 
left sideline and just slings the ball. And I said, I've watched Joe Montana growing up. I've watched Steve Young take over after him, and he was a running quarterback before these running quarterbacks. I've seen Mahomes, and he's young, and I've seen all these raw. And I and my thing was, what made me fall in love with Mighty Might Football was Brett Favre, slinging it, running across the field, jumping on offensive linemen, hugging and kissing them, slapping them on their butt. But Aaron Rodgers has an arm that I've never seen. He could throw it from the weirdest position, and it would go eighty fucking yards. And I, I, you guys can disagree or agree with me or not. It's crazy what he can do with a football when he's moving. And it looks like he's barely, like, you know, some people, like, run out of the pocket and and it makes them, oh, my gosh, this is tiring. He just avoids somebody and he looks like he's just chopping his feet and he just slings the ball. with like It's like a flip of the wrist. And you're like, did he just throw the ball 80 yards? (laughs) That's what I was going to say. Uh, Kyle Brandt said it perfectly on Good Morning Football this morning when they showed that highlight. He's like, flick of the goddamn wrist. (laughs) Um, It's ridiculous. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. But yeah, interesting. uh, I thought Kingsley Kiki had a very, very good game for the Packers defensive line. I liked him coming out of A&M two years ago, I believe it was. but yeah, uh, they need they need some more help. I mean, they had the, the Smith brothers who had played all right this year, um, and Zadarius Smith getting that fumble of Taysom, Taysom Hill really uh, turned the game, I think, a little bit uh, towards Green Bay. But the Packers plus three covered. Uh, Mark and I, we uh, we got that as our dog of the week and we got the win outright for that one so we'll look good on our friday dog of the week standings when it when we get to that show on friday <laughs> i think i was oh for four for those things or oh for three <laughs> this week so i didn't get my my lock or my underdog right at all yeah <laughs> <laughs> well uh that's all of the nfl games for the weekend we will go into college football news a little bit anyways. There's there's two things that I have here. The AP poll this week, uh, we talked about it last week. Uh, we were surprised that there was no Big Ten teams added. But this week there was. This week. We had Ohio State coming in at number 6, Penn State at number 10, Wisconsin at number 19, and Michigan at number 23. And then what was really surprising to me – was that we have a Pac-12 team in there too, and they don't play till November sixth. So, uh, Oregon came in at number fourteen. Uh, they're the only one, though. <laughs> I mean, as they should be. Uh, the Pac-12 is not that strong right now. Uh, at least we believe, anyways. One other college thing we were talking about UGA earlier. JT Daniels has been cleared to play um, this weekend against Auburn. Let's go! And I was saying to multiple UGA fans at the bar this weekend watching the game, if JT Daniels is healthy, he has to be the starting quarterback. Uh, hands down, especially from what we saw from Dewan Mathis this past week. 
I don't think there's any doubt that JT Daniels should start against Auburn on, on Saturday night. I agree 100%. If you look at his highlights, he can throw a ball, people. And they say that he lost the starting job because of injuries. Yeah, another quarterback looks really good, but I bet you SoCal would still love to have him there in case something happens. I think he he just he throws balls in tight windows that I haven't seen a UGA quarterback do since Matthew Stafford. That doesn't mean that he's as good as Matthew Stafford, but there's windows in receiving opportunities that he will just boom laser it in. With our new offensive coordinator, I think it'll make us look good. The only thing that I, like I was talking to, talking about before with like Mississippi State and all these people that throw more, I see us throwing more. Because mm-hmm. I don't think Zamir White is good as DeAndre Swift or Chubbs. That, uh, we're, we'll be balanced. Yeah. But we're going to get to a game where we're going to throw a lot. And as long as he doesn't turn it over, we're going to be okay. I, I fully think he's the quarterback moving forward, if that makes sense. Well, I will be there for whoever the quarterback is. Firsthand, I will be in the stands at Sanford Stadium Saturday let's night. Let's get it! Night so, game! Let's go on to the NFL news here. A uh, bunch of it once again. Um, since it's Monday, we have the injury news. Uh, so, let's start off. That was last week, thank God. The, the Chargers, they placed defensive end Melvin Ingram on IR. He's out until at least week six. That's the same thing with the Niners. They placed running back Tevin Coleman on IR. Same same time frame for minimum anyways. Uh, the uh, Niners also, they got an update on tight end Jordan Reed's injury today. Uh, Kyle Shanahan just announced he's going to be out six to eight weeks uh with his with his knee sprain that he has i feel so bad for that guy um yeah every year was was having a a really good couple games for the niners um well we'll see him in in november but um the uh steelers they play uh they didn't place their fullback Derek watt uh, he is going to be out a couple of weeks. He has a grade two hamstring strain. Um, I'm not really sure how much that affects them. I mean, I'm not sure how much Derek Watt was used because they they weren't really using a fullback too much before that. But um, definitely one of the best special teams players that they have there. Other running back news: the Seahawks running back Chris Carson. He has a first-degree knee sprain. He's going to be out one to two weeks, um, which isn't terrible, uh, considering what it looked like when whenever he got injured. Um, at first, I was watching that game, and I thought I saw something pop in his knee, uh, which I was like, I had never seen anything. I had never seen a knee pop before, uh, other than a dislocation, but it was, like a, it was like a pop on the side of his knee that I thought I saw, but... Um, luckily, it wasn't anything major for, for Carson there. So they're going to roll with Carlos Hyde, Travis Homer, um, and the rest of the running backs there in Seattle. The Chicago Bears, they had their own injury uh, to a running back, Tariq Cohen. He is done for the year. Tore his ACL against the Falcons on Sunday. Um, 
I'm not sure who else they're going to have other than David Montgomery. They're going to have to find somebody. Practice squad, wire, that, that's, that's... We already talked about what we thought about them as the best 2-0 team, which was not very good. You brought in a backup, which Nick Falls should... It, here's my thing. Wouldn't it be funny if Trubisky starts on Sunday? Uh, he won't. That was the next yeah, piece of news that I was going to say. They already said, okay. Just, that was the next piece just, of news I was going to say. The way the Bears are <laughs> raining right now, I just, uh, the, okay. So, at least we know that. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, it's going to make it a up, uphill battle with that injury. That's that's the simplest thing instead of dragging this song. Yeah, head coach Matt Nagy did announce Nick Foles is the starter moving forward, so it's not going to be a week-to-week thing. Uh, Nick Foles is your Chicago Bears starter for the rest of the 2020 season at this point. Um, handsomely paid for going to a different team after the Bears. Not full money that you've seen, but like you've seen Chase Daniels make $23 million over you know, three or four years. Trubisky's going to be a great backup one. Yeah. I was going to say, if uh, if Blake Bortles is on the team, Trubisky deserves to be on the team. <laughs> I was what watching the Broncos game, Berger, and Bortles wherever. wasn't in uniform, unfortunately. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Trubisky is probably the prime example of who needs to go to the Steelers. Mm-hmm. With that defense, he'd probably be a pro bowler. No, I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> See, I just want to rattle his cake. Speaking of the Steelers, though, uh, wide receiver Deontay Johnson, he's in the concussion protocol. He he um, went out of that game against the Texans. Um, so we'll see if he can clear protocol before um, this week's game. The Eagles have another wide receiver injury. What's new with, the, with Philadelphia? Uh, Deshaun Jackson, he has a minor hamstring strain, so they're uh, being cautious with him just like they have been with all of their other injuries that they yeah, have in Philly. He wasn't used Sunday anyway. Jeez. Is that Wentz sucks. Yeah, the, uh, the the Giants, their safety, Jabril Peppers, he has a low ankle sprain. Uh, don't have a time frame for that. I would expect uh, at least two weeks maybe at the minimum. Uh, staying in division, uh, Washington defensive end Chase Young, he had a groin injury, left the game on Sunday. Uh, not expected to be a long-term or a serious issue for him, uh, luckily for them. They did, however, have a serious injury uh, to one of their other defensive linemen, one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the league, I would say, Matt Ioannidis, their defensive end. Um, he tore his biceps. He's done for the year um, there. The Broncos have their own Torn biceps as well. Uh, defensive tackle Jarrell Casey. He's done for the year. They traded a seventh-round pick for him in, in the offseason. Uh, was playing really well for them before that injury. The Chiefs just tonight actually are going to be without their uh, guard, Andrew Wiley. He was taken to the hospital pregame uh, with some sickness there. Uh, not exactly sure the full details, but uh, it's Gonna be even more tougher for that offensive line to stop Clayus Campbell and Matt Judon and the likes of that Ravens defense. The um, 
Saints Crest, they guard Anders Pete. He has a high ankle injury, so like four weeks, four to six, the normal time frame there. Oh. <laughs> Drew Brees can't can't get help in, inside there. I just can't wait for Michael Thomas to come back, and then <laughs> maybe that'll alleviate some of the pressure. Well, speaking of <sighs> uh, wide receivers named Michael, the Colts wide receiver Michael Pittman. He uh, had surgery last night for leg compartment syndrome um, in his calf. He is out at least until week eight. So a big blow to the rookie uh, season there for him. The Jags, they uh, worked out Aldrich Rosas and Steven Goskowski, the two kickers this week. They signed Steven Hauschka to the active roster, Aldrich Rosas to the practice squad, so I would say that is the end of Brandon Wright's kicking career in Jacksonville. I would expect Hauschka uh, to kick this coming weekend. Hauschka's taking that job. And speaking of workouts, big news. The Texans are working out. Earl Thomas. Safety Earl Thomas has not had a market this whole time. He has been a free agent since the Baltimore Ravens released him. Um interesting to say the least him going to Houston I mean they need help right yeah I was just reading a uh... is that I'm not saying it's the right move but they need help no I was just reading the article about it and the Texans are one of three teams this year without an interception so far yeah. <laughs> and Earl Thomas is one of the leading res- or interception uh, defensive people since he's been in the league, so I think he's got thir- yeah he's got thirty interceptions in his career, which ranks third since he entered the league in two thousand ten. So if if he needs refocused, I actually think a leader like Deshaun Watson can lead. I'm, he's Deshaun is not calling the plays on that side of the ball, but if you don't think that Deshaun Watson is the face of that franchise, you're crazy, and. I think Earl Thomas is a great player, and I think Deshaun Watts or Earl, yeah, Earl Thomas is a great defensive side of the ball. Deshaun Watson can reel him in to get the best attributes at him. If not, then maybe Deshaun isn't the best leader that we've been taught. Because I, I Deshaun needs someone on that side of the ball. Whether he is as fast as he used to be or can read coverages. You need people coming into Houston after this O'Brien debacle to help you out. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Am I far-fetched? Not at all. Not at all. Um, That is all for the NFL news segment. Uh, Not that much news. Not as much as we usually have. Well, one other thing that I don't think we touched on, too, is... uh, Safe, the safety in uh, Seattle, Jamal Adams, he uh, hurt his groin yesterday in the game. So I haven't heard anything after that, but he had to come out of the game yesterday and he didn't come back. So yeah. I don't know how serious the injury is. But. I haven't heard surgery or anything. Yeah, we'll have to see uh, what goes with that. But our pick standings. <laughs> we were all 0 and 2. We were, People got better. We were all 0-2 last week. Uh, we were all on the Jaguars, all 
on the Saints for Monday Night Football. Did not work out too well for all of us. But, but, we are all together again this week. Monday Night Football tonight. An hour, less than an hour. No way. Less than an hour to go. The Baltimore Ravens. I did not know this. Baltimore Ravens hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Someone didn't have the Chiefs? No, sir. They are a a three and a half point underdog to the Ravens tonight. And I don't know. I I would have picked the Chiefs had the other teams in my parlay won. And I just needed the Chiefs to win. But since the Cowboys, Saints, Screwed me in that parlay. Uh, I think the Ravens being at home, even without fans, uh, the Ravens' defense is a lot better than the Chiefs' defense. Uh, and I think they're going to get more stops than the Chiefs' defense will. I just think, simply put, the Ravens are a better overall team than the Chiefs. So Last year, uh, uh, am I wrong? Someone quote me or look it up. Did... The Ravens beat the Chiefs during the regular season. No. I think they did, yeah, because they were 14-2. and two. No. The Ravens the, the, beat the Chiefs in the regular season. No. And the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. No, the, the, the Chiefs beat them, I'm pretty sure. Look it up. Because... Lamar Jackson only has three career regular season losses, and two of them are to Patrick Mahomes. I believe. Chiefs won last year, though. Or no, I think the Ravens won last year, and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Is what I'm getting at. No, the Chiefs won last year, 33 to 28 in Kansas City. So that's what. So I think the team that wins this game wins the Super Bowl this season. I was trying to get at what's going on. And hear me out. You can agree with me or not. I'm not Shannon Sarp. I'm definitely not Skip Bayless, thank God. I'm not Stephen A. Smith. But I really do think the Ravens win this game. And then if they meet in the playoffs, I think the Chiefs win. Mm-hmm. I would rather lose in the regular season and then win in the playoffs. And I think at home, the Ravens win this game. I agree. Now, if the Chiefs win, I'm going to be I'm gonna be pissed that one of us didn't. Not one of us picked the Chiefs. Jeez. <laughs> and we're all going to probably be 0-1 in this game. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, you're right. With, I, I, now, uh, if we would have been 2-2, two two, like two of us and two of us, I would have went with it. Now all of us are four. The Chiefs are going to win just because we did. <laughs> yeah, like I said, two of Lamar Jackson's career losses in in the regular season are two Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, week 14, 2018, lo- losing in overtime. Um, at, at Arrowhead. 27-24, yeah. Yeah, in Kansas City. And then... Um, like I said last year, they also lost to the Chiefs. Um, I think they get them this year. <laughs> in Arrowhead again, that one was 33-28 uh, week three last year. So, who knows? 
we shall see tonight in a little bit here. The Thursday night game this week. Chris, your Jets are hosting the Denver Broncos. Both teams 0-3. Broncos, three-point favorites as a road team. We're all on the I boat again. I, I thought I'd pick the Jets for, for a second. <laughs> this is true. He did change his pick five minutes before showtime. Um, <laughs> Go with it, Chris. Go. I mean, just looking at the two teams, the Broncos are relatively healthy, and even their backups are still better than the Jets' backups. So, I mean, I don't know in terms of who the Jets are going to get back this week, if anybody. Um, I do know that the... Uh, that the injury to Mekhi Becton wasn't that serious, though, so they're taking it day-to-day with him. But I don't know if they're getting any of their receivers back. I don't think Bell's coming back this week. Um, and even though the Broncos did look pretty bad last week, they were playing the Buccaneers, who most people, or not most people, but a lot of people have going to the Super Bowl. So, but and then they kind of held their own the week before against the Steelers. Um but yeah, I just looking at these two teams, even though they're both very similar, I just the Broncos I think are a lot better than the Jets. Yeah. The only way I see this winning Rusty is if Sam Donner Donald doesn't throw multiple picks and he just has a game at home. Does that make sense? Well I said something that I wanted the home team because I don't think Either one of them are relatively good, but the Broncos do have better backups. They did play Tampa Bay strength-wise better than the Jets played the Colts, and I still don't think the Colts are all that good. But it's a short week, and anything can happen. Maybe they beat them. I don't know. Rusty? The the thing is, is it'll be interesting to see if Mekhi Becton's going to play in this game or not. Uh, on a short week to return from his injury. Um, and if he doesn't, uh, the Broncos could win in a in a blowout because that means Bradley Chubb is coming off the edge all day, all night long. Um, so they, they're without Jarrell Casey now in the middle of that Broncos defense, but I think they'll still be okay with Shelby Harris um, on the defensive line. But my biggest question for this game is who's going to be the Broncos quarterback? Uh, oh, good question. Because uh, Jeff Driscoll got pulled. Brett Rippon looked great when he came in. He went 8 of 8 before he threw an interception into the end zone. Um, but I don't know. It's a short week, like you said. Uh, Jeff Driscoll Dris- looked great when he came in, too. For a- <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, quarterback competition brewing in, in Denver and – you know, Could there be it, a Blake Bortles sighting in New York? That's what I was about to say. Is is freaking Bortles going to get the surprise start over, on Thursday night? Over or under? I would love to bet on that. Dude, could you imagine Blake Bortles gets the surprise start and just balls out against the yeah! Jets? Yeah! <laughs> I can see it. Oh, that's my Lord. That would be the funniest thing ever. And then the New York, the New York newspaper, New York newspaper Friday morning reads, <laughs> Bortles wins game. <laughs> Where did Bortles come from? 
It's going to be happening. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Anyways, I'm looking for Melvin Gordon to score a million fantasy points in this game. He better score 25 like he has the first two weeks of the game season and not five points like he did this past game. But So uh, you're saying you're starting him? Most definitely. I am starting every... Well, not every Bronco, but Melvin Gordon's really the only one on the offense left now that Cortland Sutton's gone for the year. And we'll see. Uh, I don't. I don't believe it. I don't believe in uh, I, Handler I or Judy yet, too, especially Jerry Judy. I. I don't. I, I don't. Oh, know. I would start Judy. I don't know about <laughs> Judy my, and Handler yet. Sleeper. I don't know about Judy and Handler yet. Actually, another guy to start is Noah Fant, the tight end. Uh, even without <laughs> Drew Locke, he's, he a, he's he looked a, really good. He had a game. Two drops against the Bucks, really bad drops too, but uh, I think he'll bounce back very well against the Jets' defense. The next week, next week, man, week five preview here. Um, we'll have the Falcons going to Green Bay for Monday night next week, um, and then the Thursday night game is the two and one Tampa Bay Bucks going. To the three and O. That's going Nick to be Foles, a fun game. Gosh. Super Bowl Fifty Two rematch. Brady and Foles in Chicago at Soldier Field. Monday night Packers will probably blow the Falcons out, but <laughs> Thursday night game no. should be the first Thursday game that's actually good. We're gonna watch that Thursday night game together. The Monday night game is going to be the same game that's been the last three weeks with the Falcons. They're going to be up by two <laughs> touchdowns, and they're going to blow it. <laughs> you think you think they they're going to get an offense, people? You the think Falcons they're going to get up? They have an offense. They have an offense. You think they're going to get up to by double digits in at Lambeau Field? Yeah. No chance. <laughs> no and then chance. they're going to blow it like they have it. Especially Back and if forth, Julio's not they there. They kick a field goal to win the game, Falcons. No. <laughs> as always we'll have all the latest nfl college news uh college weekend interview nfl weekend interview as well uh from this upcoming oh, weekend <laughs> of games as always don't forget to follow us here on facebook on twitter and instagram at fa podcast please donate to our sports for all scholarship um and we will see y'all next week week we'll actually see y'all on friday for our football friday show um and after that we'll see you next week for our next installment of the football addicts anonymous podcast great show guys thanks